Content warning. No Gods, No Monsters contains profanity, substance use, and a strong hatred for the police. Did you know that bluefin tuna, before we had overfished them, were, like, the size of Volkswagen bugs? Like, Volkswagen beetles? What are they the size of now? They're smaller than that. I know they're smaller than that. That's insane. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> that is crazy. I mean, I know tuna are, are big, but that's really fucking big. <laughs> it's fucking kaiju size. No, it's not, but... It's, well, it's kaiju it's, size compared to the fish that are the main characters of the fish kaiju movie that I was imagining. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Thanks. Um, and compared to sea monkeys? Come on now. God. <laughs> um, <laughs> I remember back in like 2011, it was revealed that Mitsubishi, which I guess does more than car stuff in Japan, they were like catching and freezing bluefin tuna like in these like underground freezers and then they were the plan was to wait until bluefin tuna went extinct so then they would make like tons of money off of an extinct animal was there an evil scientist on their board of directors <laughs> i mean it's a board of directors so okay. touche <laughs> not a scientist that's... but all the, the rest sure um that sounds so much like a villainous I... Plot. It's horrible. <laughs> I remember uh, they told us that at Greenpeace, and I used to say it on the street. And then I was like, a little while ago, I was like, was that real or was that like one of the many lies that they were telling us to get us to sell shit? Uh, so I like looked it up, and it was definitely real, and it made me sad. You heard it here first. This podcast is anti Mitsubishi, pro <laughs> Toyota. Not true. Not true. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't know. Charlie, here's the deal. These are just two random tuna facts off the top of my head because I can't think of an intro for this episode because I'd rather talk about tuna for two hours than Godzilla <laughs> Rains again. Is that because of uh, Charlie Tuna? Who's Charlie Tuna? It's like a mascot or some something. of. Oh, for like Sunkissed or something? Yeah, I've just always heard it throughout my life, Charlie Tuna. And your name's Charlie. Yes. And I was talking about tuna. Did you notice that's connected? That's. Wow. No, I didn't. <laughs> Charlie. Man, your synapses are firing. <laughs> uh, Charlie, I have nothing to say about this movie. Should we just go right into it? Wait, don't you have another tuna fact? <laughs> no, that was it. Oh, okay. Mitsubishi. The si- I can't think. Oh, they were all car related. Huh kind of makes you think doesn't it did you know here's a tuna fact did you know that in the mid 20th century in japan in movies characters would use planes to track tuna (laughs) is that in movies or movie it's definitely in movie well probably in (laughs) movies because of gigantus the fire monster the american version but I, I tried to look that up to see if that was, like, a thing, and I couldn't find anything. 
It was all just about all the tunas going extinct. I mean, I guess it makes sense. I, I mean, I don't really know. Do tuna swim close enough up to the surface where I don't know shit about tuna, but... I don't know either. I think the reason we don't know shit about tuna is because Godzilla destroyed the tuna factory. <laughs> it all went downhill from there. I don't know if I've ever even had tuna. What? Yeah. Never? My mom... So growing up, my mom completely hate hates fish. Okay. Um. So we never ate fish growing up. My brothers would sometimes get like cans of sardines or cans of tuna, but I never tried it. And so I never really had fish until, like, my early 20s or something. And, like, so I've had very, very little fish besides fish sticks. Okay. So I don't think I've ever actually had tuna. Damn. Tuna sushi? Great. Canned tuna? Fucking great. Fucking tuna steaks? Good. But I'm super glad that only one of us is contributing to the extinction of a species. Because... don't worry, I got many others covered. Yeah, 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 but that just this one specific species. I'll, yeah, I'll just yeah, I'll do that one. Then you, you know, eat your fucking black rhino, and I'll not eat black rhino, and then it even out. <laughs> okay, makes sense. I don't feel like we could start the episode this way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's working. Welcome to No Gods, No Masters. Wait, haha. Nope. God, not being nervous just throws me off. I like <laughs> it's not very... being nervous makes you seem nervous. <laughs> Do I seem nervous? I just like don't care. I'm just like, I'll, I'll print it. Episode seven is fine. We're allowed to fuck up now. Yeah. Um, welcome to No Gods, No Monsters. We are the anti-capitalist kaiju and giant monster podcast for and in a world where no one's coming to save us. I'm Rabbit, and as always, I'm here with Charlie. How you doing, Charlie? I'm alrighty. A little fishy, but pretty good. You know, it'd perk you up a little bit. What? Some tuna facts. So, just kidding. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, um, hey, uh, today we're talking about Godzilla Raids again. 1955, the sequel to the original Gojira. Um, Charlie, you wanna slide in with your, uh, synopsis all right first just a little good evening kaiju kids okay godzilla raids again two scouting tuna pilots crash land on iwato island while there they see a second godzilla fighting with another giant dino beast government officials determine that the second kaiju is an ankylosaurus also known as an anguirus an ancient rival of Godzilla, who must have also been brought out of its dormant state by the hydrogen bomb testing. In order to avoid destruction to Osaka, our old pal Dr. Yamane comes up with a plan to black out the city and lure Godzilla away with the use of flares. While this plan works at first, it is foiled when some escaped prisoners cause an explosion catching the kaiju's attention. Angerus soon follows and the city becomes the ring in a legendary monster battle. After brutally murdering Angerus and setting his corpse aflame, Godzilla retreats to a gorgeous, snow-covered island off the coast of Hokkaido. He is discovered here by the tuna pilots and the, Je- and the Japan self-defense forces, and a visually wonderful snow battle ensues. They realize that they do not have the means to kill Godzilla, so instead they decide to cause a massive avalanche that will leave Godzilla frozen. The plan is a success! The end. 
Directed by Motoyoshi Oda. Special effects by Yiji Tsuburaya. Hiroshi Koizumi as Shuichi Sukioka. Setsuko Wakayama as... God, I'm pronouncing so much of this shit wrong. That's how it goes. Uh, Setsuko Wakayama as Hidami Yamaji. Minoru Shiaki as Koji Kobayashi. Takashi Shimura as Dr. Kyohei Yamane. Haruo Nakajima as Godzilla. Katsumi Suzuka as Angerus. Showing, sometimes sequels truly are better than the first one. It's Gigantus, the fire monster, baby. Oh man, I think you watched the wrong one. What if I did? That would be a bummer, man. I, I've never seen that one, have you? <laughs> no. The American one, for people who don't know, is called Gigantus, the fire monster, because they didn't want to confuse audiences with a second Godzilla, because that's what would have happened. I haven't watched uh, any of the... I haven't watched King of the Monsters... Uh, Gigantus or the the American version of Kong vs Godzilla. Same. Um, I think I might. I think I probably saw Godzilla King of the Monsters when I was pretty young, but I I don't I don't remember. Yeah, maybe I did see it back then. All right. Well, first off, uh, first impressions. What do you think of this movie, Charlie? I know you had not seen it ever until like a week ago, right? Correct. Um. Yeah, this movie kind of sucks. Uh, the kaiju. All the kaiju stuff is pretty awesome, um, but the human stuff just completely sucks. And even some of the kaiju scenes are kind of drawn out too long. Yeah, there's just nothing much going on with with all the human stuff, which takes up most of the plot. Yeah, but the the Angerus is awesome. I think Godzilla looks cool. I think their fight's a lot of fun. I love the, the snow, uh, all the stuff that takes place in the snow that kaiju fans love love snow it's it's just how it is everybody knows that hell yeah (laughs) um so i did like all that but there wasn't enough of that and yeah so wasn't that 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 big of a fan of it what about you i don't like this movie i was expecting when i first watched it probably a few months ago i was expecting it to be horrible and so I remember the first watch, I was like, oh, that was that was okay. Like, I think... I remember you texting me and you were like, oh, Raids Again actually is pretty good or something like that. I, I feel like it's, I guess because it, it it's so hated, and I know the ones that are really hated are like the later Showa ones. I was expecting it to be bad in a certain way. I was expecting it to mm. be like super goofy human stuff or something. And it's actually like shot kind of elegantly. Like I kind of, it's kind of pleasant to look at it oh yeah it's I, not that slow i should say visually this the whole thing's great i just yeah. think that there's not much to the human stuff um yeah i think exactly like so my first time watching it it was kind of a pleasant soothing experience but the more i think about any part of it the more i hate it like the more (laughs) that i was preparing for this episode thinking about the themes and how they compared to godzilla thinking about the the monster fights thinking about like the human characters the more like the lower and lower it got on my ranking until it basically hit the bottom like it's like now i'm angry at this movie but it like the first (laughs) watch it was just like "Eh," you know yeah for sure so that that's where i'm at i definitely my main takeaway 
we got we went from like a strongly political movie a lot of the main characters are scientists who are like questioning the morality of killing this beast there's all this anti-nuclear messaging and then this movie we're following a couple of like boss loving boot licking company men who and like who support the military enthusiastically and the beast is killed with the military it's just like like a it it it's like a fuck you to the first movie it feels like without meaning to be like i don't think they wanted to do that because i just don't think they thought about it i think they were just like rush a movie out have it be generic yeah but if so that's why it kind of worked the first watch but the more i watched i'm just like this is a fuck you to the original movie like (laughs) i but not all of it is and i do think with what he was given the director did an okay job and there's some stuff i really appreciate in it that i hope we get to like talk about or uh feel out you know yeah for sure um yeah, tonally, it's just so weird. Like, those characters, if you tonally compare it, the human stuff, to the first one, it's like these characters, like, they're like, oh, wow, a giant monster's attacking, and they just, like, turn around and joke to each other and laugh about stuff, and, yeah. like, they're 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 mostly concerned about, like, is Godzilla going to scare the fish away? Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, well... Maybe, but he also might destroy your fucking city. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that, yeah, it's totally very strange. It's very strange. But, okay, well, um, to get more into specifics, uh, I mentioned that I thought, uh, oh, my God, what's his name? What's the director's name? Motoyoshi Oda. Yeah, I thought Oda did a pretty good job given the, so this movie had, like, was made in six months from, from conception to theaters was six months. Yeah. And I thought he did a pretty good job as far as he could. I know this was like his first big movie, right? Um, I know he'd worked on other stuff. He was like an assistant director or something. Yeah, I'm not sure what else he looked. He worked on. I didn't really. I know he came up with Kurosawa and Honda. Um, okay. Kind of uh, three of them kind of working together. But I don't really, I didn't really look up his resume. Well, um, I thought, I mean, what what did you think of the direction and the camera work? Was there anything specifically that, like, caught your eye or you wanted to talk about either good or bad? Um, I mean, overall, I just thought, I did think it was kind of well put together. I mean, I guess my main complaint would just be the whole, the writing, basically. Uh, yeah. The writing is just super subpar. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mentioned earlier, I just, the whole thing was visually appealing and Totally. It, it was well put together, just not up to the standards of what came before. And yeah, it, obviously them putting it out, you know, what this came out like, what, eight months later or something? Um, if I'm remembering off the top of my head, Godzilla was November, and then this was April of the next year. Yeah, within six months of the original. So yeah, I mean, that's really, you're putting a lot of... Uh, you really can't hope for much. Um, apparently, the reason why Honda didn't come back is because he's working on another movie. Yeah. Um, he's working on a movie for women, some kind of love story thing. Yeah, I've heard that he was very hesitant. Like, it was probably lucky for him because he really didn't want Godzilla to be have a sequel at first. Yeah, um, he, he never planned for there to be a sequel. Yeah, I actually, because I've been watching a lot of honda movies and i love honda's style but this was actually kind of refreshing of a style there were less like 
less focus on on uh, certain types of shots. I don't know. It 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 just felt a little more fluid at times, and I did think that there was some of this that was legitimately beautiful. Um, the opening shot I actually makes me really opt or made me really optimistic when watching it because the very first shot of the film is an overhead shot of a shadow of a plane on the ocean, and it's like kind of amazing. Like it, it just he's putting thought into it if the last shot of Godzilla in 1954 is the ocean and the last place we saw Godzilla was, was, uh, and Sarazawa and that whole thing was in the ocean. So the fact that the first shot is that and our, and our main characters flying over it, I thought that that showed some intentionality that would have made me think there'd be more parallels and more like rhyming going on than ended up happening. Yeah, for sure. Um, there were also some kind of beautiful, well, some good and bad of the, and I don't know how much of this is Subaraya, but I thought the first time we saw, I believe it's Osaka at night with like the bright white lights in the stark black background. It looked really cool. Like that was a visually grabbing shot. Do you remember that? Um, I do. Uh, yeah, I liked a lot of those shots of, of when the blackout occurs. Uh, yeah. That whole sequence is pretty neat, although I do have some comments about that later when we get to it. I might ruin that right now because I was going to talk about some of the night shot filmmaking stuff. Okay. okay? Yeah. Um, do you know about the whole day for night thing? You mean how they shot it in day? Yeah. And they put like filters on? Yeah. So they put filters on and they shot it in, in day. But you, if you look for it, like, first of all, it it's kind of obvious because it's super dark black and then suddenly it's just like this weird gray because they switched to that uh -huh. and there's these long shadows all across the ground of the buildings <laughs> and the cars and the people and once you see it i didn't notice it my first time but once you you notice it i think i i read about it and then noticed it's like so jarring it looks so weird and creepy and not right well my whole problem with that is you have a shot of uh, the city and you see these cars driving and all of a sudden, the car's headlights go out. And yeah. It's like, well, that wouldn't happen. <laughs> totally. And there, <laughs> that there makes no sense. And that's really dangerous. That, yeah. And we already saw that the buildings are covered in lights, but yeah. they're not now. Totally. But I, I would assume since so much of the rest of the film was shot well, that A, that was either a cost or time-saving technique, which makes sense, or B, that was something to do with the setup that Subaraya needed for his special effects. So... I'm not going to put that all on Oda. I'm going to assume that's uh, other factors were at play, you know? Yeah. And I think it's still, even though you can pick it apart, it visually it looks, if you're not really paying attention yeah. to that stuff, it still looked pretty good. Totally. What did you think of the music? Um, I enjoyed it. It didn't really blow me away or anything. I was fine with it. I know this, this, the, the guy that did the music, he did a few other Godzilla movies. Um, yeah, this is a... for uh, Masaru Sato. Um, this yeah. is his first one. Yeah. Um, I guess he did eight Kurosawa movies and four Godzilla movies. So, I mean, he, yeah, he's someone who's, who's big in the business. It didn't really strike me like Ifukube's score did, but it was still, it, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's very sparse. There's almost no yeah. music in this movie. I feel like yeah, I think I feel like there's three or four parts where there's music that I can think of, other than the uh, 
the great song when Hidemi and Tsukioka are, are at the dance in Osaka. That song's great, but I don't know if he wrote it. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it was like there's that one theme in the beginning that's also at the end, and then there's like cymbals crashing when Godzilla comes out. And like, it wasn't bad, but it was just very little music even compared to the first one. Um, yeah. But, and I know that Sato said that he that this is his worst score and he he thinks of it as something like a child trying to learn because he went on to score like throne of blood yojimbo sanjuro like a bunch of movies with amazing scores um but yeah it was fine you know yeah in fact that's even when you asked me that i was like oh what did i think of the music i think one of the reasons i had trouble is because i'm like was the there wasn't a lot of music (laughs) yeah there really wasn't his main theme is like kind of catchy and like i don't I don't, like, love the one really famous, like, the military song for uh, the original Godzilla. Like, the do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. That's, like, over and over. It's it's good. It works. But it's, like, a little overused. And I thought his was not just as good, but comparable. It was it was good. It worked for that. Um, but it was no, like, Godzilla theme. You know, there was mm-hmm. nothing that compared at all to the Godzilla theme. Um, the only other filmmaking note before we want to move on that I wanted to say, not a total filmmaking note, but because of my torrented version, I couldn't read. There were no subtitles for the Morse code and there were no subtitles for any of the newspaper articles. So if any of that stuff was interesting as we go along, feel free to say it. If not, I'll just assume I didn't miss much. That's where the, the majority of the story came from. <laughs> oh, shit. What did, it, what did it say? Blow my mind. Um, It said... Oh shit! There's a dinosaur with five brains in his limbs. That's uh, been sent here by aliens to fight Godzilla, the defender of the planet. Damn! I had the whole thing. <laughs> I I was fucking way off, dude. Never assume. <laughs> All right. So I didn't realize till you said the full names that I know the male characters by their last names and the one. And the one woman character by her first name, which just feels sexist, but also that's how they wrote it in the in the yeah. uh, subtitles the whole time. So I'm just gonna go with it. Yeah, it works. It's like a Hillary versus Trump thing. I'm like, is that no? Okay. Um, <laughs> well, there's also because we already knew a Clinton, so that kind of also differentiates that more. Plus, Bernie was Bernie. You know, it's just yeah, fun, lovable yeah. versus you know, like mm-hmm. whatever. Um, <laughs> so I guess should we start with Sukioka? What do you think of this dreamboat? Uh, I forgot to look up what other Godzilla movies he was in. He was in five other ones. Um, I know he's, um, I, this is off the top of my head again, because after our Godzilla 1954 episode, I was like, no research this time. But <laughs> off the top of my head, I believe he's at, he's in, uh, fuck. I think he's one of the only actors who plays a character that is in multiple eras of Godzilla. Like he's in Showa era movies as the same guy like twice. And then he comes back way later in in either Heisei or Millennium Era. And I can't remember who he is. But yeah, he's in a lot of them for sure. Never as this character again. But yeah, which makes sense because this character is nothing. He's just he's bland. I mean, to be completely honest, Kobayashi is the only notable character in my opinion, and he wasn't even super notable at that. But, but yeah, this character—I I would much rather had Kobayashi be the main character. Uh-huh. Yeah, the 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 most admirable trait 
that Tsukioka has is that Kobayashi is a terrible pilot and Tsukioka's always risking his life to go search for him or to help him. So like yeah. even Tsukioka's main attribute is just that he'll help this other guy that I like. <laughs> he like has his back. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it almost, the weird love triangle they have almost reminded me of the last movie, except as we'll get into is barely there and it's much more sparse and it's only hinted at at the very end but like where the main guy is kind of eh, sure he's just like ogata sukioka they're just whoever is it a love triangle yeah i mean the kobayashi's carrying a picture of hidemi and is secretly in his wallet okay i didn't know that was a picture of her yeah um, so then i was you're just... <laughs> i had no idea i was i had no idea because i kept like hinting at it and I was like, is is the girl he's interested in ended up being her? And then I was like, well, I don't feel like this the love triangle would really be earned, so I don't know if it would be. Yeah. And then he set the picture down, and um, I didn't realize that was her. Yeah, was so confused. that's her, like, as a school girl. We're ahead of ourselves, but <laughs> fuck it. Okay, so yeah, that's her yeah. as a schoolgirl, and they're having this scene where... Sukioka's just being a whatever I'm a dude, I don't care about the girl that I'm supposed to be in love with. And Hidemi's like, man, I I really uh like wish that you would not be in danger. And so Kobayashi's like trying to cheer her up, and that's when she realizes that he loves her or has a picture of her, so we're assuming he loves her. And she doesn't think it's creepy, she thinks it's like cute, and then he dies and she like smiles about it. It's a very weird <laughs> it's like they were like oh shit we forgot about like human drama let's throw this in at the last scene while we're filming it yeah everybody loved the love triangle the last one yeah so but it felt like kind of the same right you have the interesting character who's like the person's not interested in and then yeah. the main guy who's just the handsome like pilot or or, or salvage worker like the the you know the dude and he's just kind of nothing of a character yeah, I mean, I think Ogata was much better written, and you still liked him. Uh, yeah, I guess it's all guy, relative. Um, I mean, yeah, this guy really didn't give a shit about him. <laughs> totally. And this guy just, he's such a fucking bootlicker. Like, he's always worrying about the company. Osaka, uh, Godzilla and Ingeris begin attacking Osaka, and immediately uh, Sukioka and Kobayashi go try to help the boss at the tuna factory. And they keep being like, we'll help you relocate. And we'll, like, it's all about helping their tuna boss. And it's like, this is not an existential threat that you all are worrying about. Like, the other characters in the last movie were like, what's going to happen to the world? And what does it mean about us as humans? And they're like... To be, f- to be fair, his the boss is his future father-in-law. True. Still a but bit like I, I think structures. it wouldn't have mattered... I think even if it wasn't the father-in-law, they still would have done the same thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's just it's just weird. Um, yeah. What about Hidemi? Yeah, I mean, she's kind of along the same lines as Sukiyaka. I think she's a little bit better written, and I, I care about her a little bit more. But overall, she just was very, just kind of a bland... She, also seems kind of shallow that <laughs> she says what a girl wants is a handbag and a watch. <laughs> the, yeah, that uh, I, it's I don't know. I, I don't know if that's her being shallow or like that's all a woman could hope for in their structure. You can 
you know what I mean, in their society, like, yeah. she's, like, worrying about her lover is gonna, like, die, and this guy's like, oh, shit, I'll try to distract you and make you feel better by asking you what kind of woman stuff you want. And, like, literally uh-huh. says, what kind of woman stuff do you want, I think. And she's like, oh, okay, that's that's nice. Um, Like, I thought her flirting with Tsukiyoko over the, over the radio in the first scene was kind of, like charming like we've seen a lot of bad flirting so far in this show (laughs) and that was kind of like oh that's nice and she just seemed nice but then their relationship just seems so weird later like you notice all the weird cussing in this movie yeah i mean there's lots of kind of like joking at each other's expense i suppose totally and maybe i just missed the humor i've heard this movie's funny and i didn't get it but like (laughs) they're watching the skylines and she says something to sukioka like do you think that osaka and tokyo will be okay and then he just calls her an idiot and then they just like laugh (laughs) (laughs) like uh when when sukioka is like i have to keep going out she's like the boss wants you back and he's like i have to find godzilla tell him i'm not coming back and and she goes like oh you jackass and then he just like hangs up he like is about to say something then he hangs up the radio and then he like cracks a smile like I like I feel like they have this weird like I like it when you're when you're mean to me kind of weird like thing going on. I think our translation there was a little different. Uh, okay. Did she actually say jackass in in yours? Yeah, my movie had like jackass, bastard, idiot, like a bunch of weird shit in it. Okay, I don't think I think we're going off of different trans uh, translations. I think mine's so. probably probably the right one. Yours is the Blu-ray, is that right? <laughs> yeah, mine's the Criterion. Yeah, Blu-ray. mine's probably right. Um, um, yeah, like Kobayashi calls calls Godzilla a bastard. I think, or somebody does. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Toho has like tight strings and all their stuff, so mm. I think Criterion just has to deal with whatever they're given. So it could actually. I don't really know the specific details, but yours might be more accurate. I have no idea. Totally. And I, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't like, whoa, they're being so mean to each other. This is terrible. I just thought it was kind of funny. I was like, we have barely anything to work with to know who these people are. And this is all yeah. being given. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Kobayashi, our favorite. Yeah. Um, so... He's affable. He's likable. They they write a little bit more to his character. Um, he seems to have more heart to him, more feeling to him. Um, kind of like the last movie, I do feel like all three of them are like pretty good to each other. Like yeah, and but and Kobayashi too. Like Sukioka always has his back. Demi's like worried about both of them and and cares about their friendship. But Kobayashi does seem like the best friend. Like again, he's yeah trying to comfort her. He throws the surprise party for Sukioka with all his old friends like he he just seems like a guy who really cares about his friends and it comes on really as a a likable guy totally yeah very much um one thing i was confused about i was confused by the ending when he um dies i didn't know how to bring that up later or now but i guess um, i i I'll have stuff about it towards the end um if okay. you're okay to wait unless it's like a yeah. vital thing about his like him as a character I mean, it is vital, because I don't know if he killed himself or not. No. No, you don't think so? I do not think so. I think I didn't think so either, but really I've seen bad. other people refer to that as him intentionally killing himself. So I was that makes very no sense. confused. 
Because he was, like, he would have only killed himself if he knew. He didn't know running into the mountain would cause an avalanche that would then help their cause. Him flying into it is what made them realize that and change their strategy. Yeah, that's what I thought. But not only did he fly into it, but he was... While he was diving down, he was hit by Godzilla's radiation exactly. that took his plane out. Yeah, so... no, he, did, he was just, I mean, I think they set up earlier that he's just a bad pilot. He crashes in the first yeah. part. I mean, he had an engine failure. And then again, he's going and he he's so stupid in the last scene. He's like, I got to get closer to Godzilla because he'll get away. It's like, first of all, he's on an island just standing still. Second of all, who cares if he gets away? He's just on an island. <laughs> Why would you flying super close to him stop him from getting away? Like, none of it makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, I was very confused by that part. And I, like I said, I would heard, like, other people refer to that as him killing himself. Well, he the... did kill himself, but that doesn't mean it's intentional. Right, but, I mean, they meant it more like kamikaze in yeah. way. <laughs> no, I mean, that would have been a... Let's... Like, maybe the writers were like, how do love triangles work? Does the guy who's rejected just have to sacrifice himself, like, in the first movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I don't, I don't think that's what's happening. Um, okay. I think he was just a goddamn bootlicker who wanted to do a really good job. I like him, but he's a fucking bootlicker. You know, you let the yeah. cops get in your car to chase down prisoners, you're a fucking bootlicker. You help the boss after a natural disaster, like, right away, fucking bootlicker you know that's true yeah yeah he's a bootlicker do you do you want to go through the movie and start talking about some of the human scenes sure okay so the first like explicitly no no godzilla's no Anguirus's uh human scene is the dinosaur book and gojira film screening scene which is what it's officially called which there are uh Anguirus's and godzilla's in that scene it's true Please. it's true <laughs> Suck. well here we go um, Subarai is not in the scene. That's, that's what I'll... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I want to start by talking about Yamane. He's back. He's back, baby! He's our... The band's back together. Woo! He's a great actor. He's... Oh, I feel like, speaking of Kurosawa actors, we didn't even mention that, um, Kobayashi. Oh, uh, Kobayashi, yeah. Yeah, do you remember He's... that actor's name? Um, uh, Minoru Chiaki. So he wanted super bad to be in Godzilla, but couldn't because of scheduling. So he like kind of demanded to be in this one. And I know he's in Seven Samurai and a bunch of Kurosawa movies. Um, he's in Throne of Blood, which is okay. probably my favorite Kurosawa movie. Damn, just throwing out the bad opinions. It's so weird. Um, <laughs> What's your favorite? Seven Samurai? Probably. It's so fucking good. But I also, I feel like I like Ran better than Throne of Blood if we're going to go on the Shakespeare one. But that's also because um, I'm a King Lear nerd. I need to rewatch Rand. It's been a long time, but uh, the reason why I like Throne of Blood so much is because it's the darkest one. It's just yeah, it's so no, fucking it's objectively dark. a great movie. I'm just giving you shit. Yeah, um, but yeah, he. Uh, so I, I thought the actor who did, who played uh, Kobayashi, did a great job, and he's he's good in all the ones I've seen him in. Yes. Okay, so back to Yamane. Such a disappointing return of this character to me. Yeah, he's like he barely has any lines. He uh he he has nothing to him. There's no I think it's worse than that. He's the opposite. He's sad. Yeah, he's no not like, "Oh, despair. I don't want to I don't want to attack Godzilla." I no, don't... he's talking about the countermeasures they could use. He's yeah. there to help them do the thing that he was the whole the whole point of his character was to be against in the last movie. <laughs> and also 
Am I wrong? I don't remember them discovering that Godzilla doesn't like light or is distracted by light. Is Was that a part of the first movie? Nope, they just made it up for this one, and it gets worse as it goes because the light rules do not stay consistent. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that, but it makes no sense. Yeah, but... So, yeah, he's, like, saying, like, our darkest dreams have come back to greet us. You know, like, the thing that I said at the end, that if humanity kept doing nuclear testing, and another Godzilla would come, has happened. But also, I forgot all the things that made me say that, or, or like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so weird, and I, I just don't get his motivation. Like, he even sa- he says, like, I shouldn't give you my theory for now. But then we never come back to what he was talking about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it really seemed like they were just like, oh, uh, Shamira has a, a day off from something else. Let's yeah. just let's get him in and shoot a scene with him. Totally. People love that. <laughs> and like, yeah, it's good to have a, a thread bringing it together, but not if you're going to contradict. You're, his character in the first one never would have gone to that. He's like, I'm fucking done yeah. with this shit. They're all using me to kill this thing. And <laughs> when he... Okay, so... To me, the best part of this movie is watching the original Godzilla that he puts on the wall. Like, that's by far the best yeah. footage of this movie. And but it makes no sense. He says, like, we've come to sh- I've come to show you the films that they collected of Godzilla. Which, first of all, everybody remembers Godzilla. It just happened. Yeah, not like, just everybody, but these are government officials. Yeah. Like, if they if you have film of this, they've already seen it. <laughs> they know everything about. <laughs> and. The footage is the footage from the original movie. So are you, are we supposed to believe that the footage that we watched in the original movie was in universe, like found camera footage (laughs) from people on the ground (laughs) of that one. And that's what we were seeing. And now it's being, I know I'm overthinking it, but like, it's so stupid. Yeah. And it goes on for a while too, with no sound. So it's just... I mean, every podcast I've listened to has said that you say that, but to me, that's the best part of the movie. I'm like, it's so short. Like, show me more smashing. (laughs) You could just stop the movie and go watch the first one. You know that, right? (laughs) I just, you know, it's really good. It's good footage. (laughs) So, yeah, he wants to drop light bombs to lure it away, which, like, he's a fucking paleontologist. Yeah. What? What is he doing there? Why is he? Why does he have the idea that's based on nothing he's seen? What? It's just all such a mess. So, Charlie, I've always admired you as a scientist. So, uh, why don't you walk us through this uh, background or scientific explanation of Godzilla's return and Ingiris's, uh arrival? Lay, lay out the lay out the facts for us. Yeah, um, I don't think. They really did much research on ankylosauruses when they came up with this whole scene. Why do you say <laughs> that? Uh, <laughs> well, they said the ankylosaurus is 150 to 200 feet. When um, that's not true. They're okay. 20 right. to 26 feet long. <laughs> they do say the H bomb may have affected it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But they seem to be going off of what uh, they scientifically think an ankylosaurus is. Well, by the and way, pointing like... to an, a book in English, I forget what it's called, <laughs> about dinosaurs, but they're pointing to a page of the like iguanodon, um, <laughs> who's an herbivore, while saying ankylosaurus is a carnivore, but it's not. 
<laughs> maybe this this guy just uh his English is really bad, and so he was reading the wrong section of the book okay. because uh ankylosauruses are not called angruses despite what he said they're not nearly as big as what he said um they don't look a they, whole lot like he said they look kind of like it yeah their brains are not distributed throughout their do they say limbs. that in the movie that they are <laughs> yeah they he says that the his brain is like distributed across his thorax and abdomen so that it can act like nimbly or something like that. <laughs> okay, wait, what about the line that says that it's one of the few creatures that had a thorough hatred for warlike animals? How would they, um, that's, how would that's they a different been? translation than mine. Really? <laughs> yeah. So weird. I don't know how they would have known that. Okay, did your translation yeah. say that the chest and abdomen were the only vulnerable parts? I don't think so. What Jesus, the what the fuck is going on? Are you on? sure? Maybe I'm wrong. It just seems I watched they... it right before we recorded. It just though. seems weird that they just make that up. But you're also taking notes as you're writing, right, watching, right? That's true, yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. If it's in there, I mean, it's obviously came from somewhere. I don't think someone would just make up a few of the parts, but... It's just so funny. It's like a, the chest and abdomen are the only vulnerable parts, and then it dies by getting bitten on the neck. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we have to give credit where it's due, though. They did say 70 to 150 million years ago, which is a lot more accurate than the yes. 2 million years. Yes. Uh, Ankylosaurus are estimated to be 68 to 66 million years ago, so they were pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. Still a um, but close. Yeah. Also, ankylosaurus were from Western. They've been found in Western North America. So, okay. Um, it's pretty far off. I, I mean, I guess I don't know where the continents were at that point. So it wasn't Pangaea that recently ago, though. So yeah. <laughs> um, also, they they said uh, extremely exclusively carnivorous. Yeah. When um, they think that they were either omnivores or herbivores <laughs> do you have any other facts i was i was gonna lay into my real beef but i'm curious if you have any other <laughs> uh that's pretty much it i just i scanned it like right as you're like all oh, right it's time to record <laughs> i was like oh shit i forgot to look up ankle storage facts so this doesn't make any fucking sense to me okay and like this i know it's not all just translation because i've listened to other podcasts and things talk about this okay godzilla the original Godzilla was created by the bomb, right? Now, this Godzilla, the second one, who, by the way, in my head canon, Godzilla just didn't die in the first one. It's all the same one, because otherwise it doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. Now, in Heathen. Of, what'd you say? Heathen. Heathen. So, Sarasawa's sacrifice was not for okay, nothing. Okay, you're right. You're right. Godzilla was the name of a creature, and then suddenly Godzilla is a species who were all mutated the same way by the bomb. At least two of them. Sure. Whatever. But it, it clearly stated that Godzilla is a product of humanity. Like, this isn't just a beast who was awoken. Right? But right. in the movie, they say that Godzilla's and Angiosaurus's, or Anguirus's, have like fought since the beginning. They're natural rivals, but <laughs> but Angurus was from a hundred or sixty six million years ago, or seventy to one hundred fifty million years ago, according to the movie. And Godzilla was just created last year. 
by them. Right. But Godzilla, it wasn't created, it was mutated. Sure. So whatever the original thing that Godzilla was could have been something. Okay. Obviously, whatever it was, it was some kind of immortal dinosaur. So was it Ga- <laughs> Anguirus? Just under the water, too, hiding? Yes. <laughs> 100% yes. Okay. I Apparently, you- there's a bunch of dino- living dinosaurs just hibernating under the uh, uh, Pacific Ocean. <laughs> I, yeah. So we should mention that, uh, so this is the first kaiju movie ever, and Godzilla movie especially, where two kaiju fight. I mean... I would argue Godzilla versus uh, T-Rex, or King Kong versus the T-Rex. Okay. But, uh, yeah, this is more of a clear, stated fight of two headliners. Yeah, especially, like, we don't have to get into a whole what is kaiju, what is not discussion, but I think a lot of people would say that, like, uh, T-Rex on its own island doesn't count as much as, like, a beast kind of out of its world in a U.S. place. But whatever. This set a, a trend, right? Yeah. Um, it's the first one that Godzilla fought. And it's just a funny pick to me. Like, in future <laughs> movies, we'll see quite successfully that, like, Godzilla's foes get more... There's reasons that they could beat Godzilla. They're more difficult. And this is just, like, uh-huh. Godzilla, but worse. It's just, like, a Godzilla that can't stand <laughs> upright that doesn't have atomic breath. Yeah, but he's got a spiky back. That he doesn't use for anything until, like, many, <laughs> many movies later. He has a spiky back that looks like fucking foam. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into how they look later. I'm sorry. I just I just think this is such a funny choice for his first rival. It is a weird and random choice. It's not at all what I would expect. Um, but uh, I like him. I like Ingress. He's, he's uh, cute. Yeah. He's got a funny, he's, like, uh, ah, smart-ass grin. <laughs> he's got a cool roar. Uh, he becomes Godzilla's best buddy for a reason. Uh, Rodan would argue with that. They're always fighting over who's best buddy, though. Um, do you think that Gamera's a ripoff of Angerus? Shut the fuck up. I knew you were going to say that. Okay. Anyth- <laughs> Anything else in the classroom setting before we uh, get into some to the true heroes of the film? Yeah, I mean... It's just so weird how they have to explain to them how Tokyo is destroyed and how the way that defeated Godzilla before was through a super weapon that the scientists made that we have no like Charlie, why Charlie your head is your your head is stuck in the yeah. age of smart. I mean I guess it's just a vehicle to explain to the audience who may not remember or may no, not see. No, the no, no. You're one, stuck in the just... world of AOL and texting this was back in the 1950s. The only way you got information from a place as far as Osaka to Tokyo and back was through passenger pigeons. Okay? <laughs> this was only six months later. The pigeons died in flight. Give them a break. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it makes no sense. You're right. It, it's just a vehicle for us. But <laughs> it's a terrible vehicle for us. Like, like I wish that it was at least... like. If you're going to be this dumb and make this little sense, then just be cheesy with it and I'll forgive you completely. Like, all yeah. you need is one shot of Yamane going, oh shit, it's 70 to 150 million years, not 2 million? <laughs> <laughs> Oops. And then you'd be like, okay, that's funny. It's self-aware and I'd forgive yeah. like all of this. 
<laughs> but it's not that kind of movie. Also, I feel like that whole dinosaur book thing was a clear reference to Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. Uh, the people that saw it picking it out from pictures of the totally. of dinosaurs. and So that's kind of a little fun. Get ready for more of that with uh, Rodan coming up next or coming up soon. All right. Okay, so again, on to, like, this is a fucking movie full of bootlicking company men and military chuds, but for one small little moment, we get our own little down-by-law, our own little oh-brother-where-art-thou moment of true heroes. (laughs) So, I'm referring, of course, to the prisoner transport and escape scene. Definitely, I feel like this is by far the most grabbing and fun part of the movie to me. Not just because they're prisoners, I also just think it's like, it's not just people talking in rooms. It's like something happening that's fun and interesting until it ends, you know? Yeah, until we see them drown. Um, Drown? Don't they drown? They blow up. No, but don't the prisoners, they eventually like go in like the subway or something and then... You're right, you're right. uh, It gets flooded. Totally. So, okay, two questions right off the bat for you, Charlie, if that's all right. So, first of all, okay, set up the scene. You have a prison transport van. You have two cops driving. Prisoners are in the back. And then there's cops in the back, which I don't know about in the 50s in Japan. But in all the times I've been in the back of cop, like, vehicles like that, uh, I don't know what to term, I guess, prisoner transport vans, the cops aren't in the back with you. Like, that's the jail part. Like, they're just in the front in a cave. It felt very weird that there were just cops back there. But whatever. Maybe that's how it was. Well, also... I want to point out that they turn their headlights off because of the blackout. So they're transporting prisoners with no lights. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not a good idea. And the prisoners don't have handcuffs or anything, and the guy's just yeah, standing there with say, a gun. There's, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. Like, <laughs> if these prisoners were dangerous, then they should be handcuffed. If they're not dangerous, then you don't need someone standing there with a gun like because that would be very stupid yes so (laughs) again my my experience of being in a cars that look exactly like that which again it might have been different back then but i'm assuming it's just that the filmmakers don't fucking know you know but yeah is that you get locked in the back there you are handcuffed and you're locked in why would someone need to be back there you're locked in you're in hell you can't fucking move I've, like, been in one of those before where, like, the handcuffs were so tight on a person next to me that he was vomiting on the fucking ground, and we're all just stuck in there, and we're banging on the fucking window, hoping that they'll, like, help us, and they just have it closed, like, the cage area between the drivers. They don't give a fuck. You're just locked back there. Why would a dude with a gun just be chilling and you have no handcuffs? It makes no sense at all. So, first question, why are the prisoners being transported right then? Like, what is so important? Because you would assume that if there's a whole city blackout, yeah. that they've communicated, like, we need, we, tri- prisoner transportation is going to have to wait a day. <laughs> yeah, the only explanation I can think of is one that wouldn't make any sense is that, like, they were worried that the prison would be attacked and we're, like, bringing them to safety, but they don't do that for prisoners. Like, they leave no. prisoners when a hurricane's coming and just fucking they die in there. Like, so. I don't, it just seems I like mean, a plot device that wasn't thought of or thought about. Um, America does that. Maybe true. Japan in 1956 would be different. True. That's absolutely 55. true. 
Oh, also, I know that this whole scene was a holdover from the original concept of the movie that was too high concept for the budget, which was that, mm. like, focusing on the, um, we talked about elite panic in the Beast of 20,000 Fathoms one, but focusing on the, or no, in the movie Them? Yeah. Um, the original plan was to have it be about, like, the riots that would ensue when Godzilla, like, the panic that would ensue and how prisoners would escape and stuff. So that ended up all getting scrapped because they didn't have the budget to do, like, giant scenes full of people. So this is a holdover. So it just does, it feels a little shoehorned in, you know? Yeah, it definitely does feel uh, shoehorned in. Um, I was just say, I wish we got to know the prisoners more. I wish uh, there was more characterization of them. Um Dude, a movie about prisoners escaping during a kaiju attack would be such a fucking awesome movie. Like, again, Down by yeah, Law, cool. Oh Brother Where Art Thou, something like that. Like, well, probably not like Oh Brother Where Art Thou, but you know what I mean? Where the prisoners, yeah. like, escape because shit's, like, apocalyptic and, like, the kaiju's just kind of a, a side thing that leads to it. That'd be so much better than... Yeah, yeah, and then Gamera saves them. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, or they save Gamera, you know, either way. Um, not gonna happen. Totally. And then they just rob a bank because that's based, you know? Um, <laughs> so I feel like the plan they had or whatever, how they did it was was kind of interesting. Like, it never would have worked, right? Like, they one of them stands up to block the view. And it it's like they think that the cops are a T-Rex. They, like, look through and they're like, well, I don't see any movement, so it must be fine. It's like the prisoners standing up. They're supposed to be sitting down, obviously. It's blocking the view of them doing something. Yeah. It also... I mean, I, why do they even need to block the view? They're just shooting off the lock and then escaping, right? It's true. Yeah. Like, as soon as the gunshot goes off, there's no shits up. Like, <laughs> Also, the guys were in there with them. So presumably those yeah. cops aren't locked in. So they should have the keys. Yeah. Why do they have to shoot it? Yeah. <laughs> they're like well it's unsafe to give them the keys but it's totally fine to give them guns and to not handcuff the prisoners <laughs> <laughs> fucking dumbass cops stupid ass cops hey ooh, yeah. we have an award about that which by the way real quick this is might be some retconning or something but um in editing the what was the movie where we came up with dumbest cop? Uh, Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms one. I realized it's not the dumbest cop award. You just called it the dumb cop award, which I think gives <laughs> us a lot more freedom. Like we don't. That gives us a lot of leeway. Yeah, yeah, we can just. First of all, they all get awards. It's like the end of a fucking uh, <laughs> AYSO fucking soccer game. Every all the cops get a fucking trophy. You're all participated in the stupidity. <laughs> But also, we could just pick a dumb cop to highlight that we feel like we don't have to, like, mathematically calculate which one showed the yeah. most dumbness on screen. <laughs> um, But speaking of dumb cops, so they subdue the guards, they escape, and then, of course, the fucking cops, just like they... Oh, this is going to make me angry, and I'm trying to, like, not think about reality. But the, the, the cops fucking are like, hey, we got to stop these, like, thieves or whatever they are. And, like, use their fucking bullets to try to stop them. They yeah. just, like, fucking cowards. And then they hit one. And then, of course, two prisoners show that they're fucking altruistic and help their buddy. And those are the ones who get punished. You know, the fucking cops are reinforcing the ideas that fucking selfishness and individual 
shit, like, it, not caring about others is the thing that'll get you nabbed, and it just makes my blood boil, Charlie. I don't like I it. can tell. <sighs> You're turning red. Thank you. That's a... Uh, you in the sun a little bit. I'm glad you noticed. <laughs> Did you notice that the, the prisoners, they get in like this tanker and they immediately start driving? Like, boom, they're driving. They don't hotwire it. There's just keys in it, I guess. Like, they, they, they run away, they get in the car, boom, they're driving. That's how cars work in Japan. They don't use keys. Cool, cool. They just, any car is always ready to go. <laughs> Put that foot on the gas pedal, baby. It's a far more trusting society, you know? Yeah. Which is why they uh, had cops in the back of the wagon, but no handcuffs. <laughs> yeah. Although with a gun, so not too trusting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and the cops were there because they're yeah. not trusting. And, you know, they're bringing him to prison. Um, yeah. Um, since, but then... Oh, sorry. Well, I was just Go going to say, since you know so much about... Mm-hmm. Uh, Japanese automobiles, I wanted to ask you, why are the steering wheels of the tanker they steal and the cop car on opposite sides? Yeah, that's something I noticed. And uh, (laughs) the reason for that is um, cops are such assholes, they drive on the wrong side of the road because they think they have the authority to. Good answer. I thought it was because maybe because my projector, I put it against a mirror at certain parts. (laughs) What were you gonna that ask? might also have something to do with the translation. Yeah, totally. What were you going to ask before I went on that steering wheel? I was going to say, and the cops, so they get into the car with Kobayashi and uh, Sukioka. Our fucking boot-licking um, protagonist, yes. Yeah, and they're just like, oh, jump right in, we'll chase for you. But then they engage in a high chase speed with no lights in night, no headlights. I think you meant a high speed chase, right? Is what I say. A high chase speed. <laughs> eh, same difference. Same difference. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and then they listener, kill the prisoners. Do not drive at night. Yeah. Without headlights on. Good that point. is our safety tip of the week. Good point. If there's no lights on the highway and there's no lights from the sun, turn your headlights on. Yeah. Totally. It's it, it saves lives. <laughs> um, yeah, and then this whole high-speed chase, it ends up with a giant explosion that draws Godzilla and Anguirus back to Osaka and causes destruction. If they hadn't engaged in the high-speed chase, that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, it's 100% the cops. If the cops had just been like, shit, some prisoners got away. We have their names. We have their fingerprints. We were whatever. I don't know. We have their photos. Yeah, we have everything now. We'll go get them. Just like, going to try not to get too real. I really hate the cops this week. Like, it's getting worse and worse every day, but... Just let them fucking leave. If you pull them over and they're running, you don't need to fucking shoot them. You don't need to chase them. All You literally destroyed a city to try to catch three fucking maybe jewel thieves or some shit. Like, whose <laughs> lives would have been, entire lives would have been hiding from you. So they're not going to be doing a bunch of crazy shit anymore. Just give up. Just let them go, you fucking egotistical piece of shit pigs, you know? <laughs> and our fucking tuna-chasing bastard fucking... <laughs> pilots just are like of course we'll drive you there and we'll just fucking do some fucking oj shit down the freeway till you freak out and and launch into this fucking thing mm. the car jumping crash does look kind of cool though you know yeah. when all the innocent prisoners die or no no they didn't die there you're right they die later 
Yeah. That part looks kind of cool too, but we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, it's kind of implied in the movie. I think they're they're like, oh man, if society... It feels to me like the intended message, if there was one of this scene, is that if society worked right and we just let the military shoot light bombs, Godzilla wouldn't be a problem. But because of pesky lawbreakers... Godzilla and Anguirus are going to use our beautiful city as the backdrop for their fight. I mean, that is ultimately what it reads as, but I don't think that was necessarily their intention. Totally. They're just trying to figure out a, a way to draw the kaiju back to the city. But totally. yes, that is how it reads. Well, let's remember that that fire drew them for a later scene. <laughs> okay. All right. So then, you know, that whole thing happens, and then... We have a whole scene where we're supposed to worry a lot about this tuna CEO's factory and where they're going to put it, which like, what does he mean? Like, where are we going to put our factory? You mean like where the factory was? Like, is the city just done? Everybody's just going to leave the city forever. You can't have factories here anymore. Like, what are you talking about? Why is the next plot point for the entire movie? Obviously, we got to go to some random ass place and start our business. It's like, what? So this is just going to be a smoldering heap forever. So I was under the impression that the other station in Hokkaido was that they, the company just had another, they had a different factory going there. I mean, so, oh, is that what they meant by relocating? It's not that they're relocating the factory, it's that they're all moving themselves to Hokkaido? That's how I read it, that they were doing that while they were rebuilding the original, or the offices in okay. Osaka. That makes sense. Well, I still hate these bosses because it's like we're watching this Osaka scene. Our conclusions on that might also be because we have different translations. Totally so. possible, yeah. Um, yeah. I am very biased against these bosses, though, so I might have just read the worst <laughs> possible way. So we had a scene earlier that we didn't really talk about where they're at the dance hall, you know, and everybody's told to um to to evacuate and run into shelters, right? Like, walk calmly, and then everybody's stampeding. And then as soon as we see the next shot after this destruction... The boss shows up to his factory and there's all these workers who are like in the middle of still cleaning it. And it just it just pissed me off some more. Like the workers are already <laughs> cleaning up when the boss arrives. Like weren't they supposed to evacuate and shelter? Like mm. why are they just mopping already? It's like the, it's just like uh, Sukiyoki and Kobayashi who are immediately making promises to the, to the boss. It just seems like everybody's safety is secondary to capitalism moving forward on canning tuna. <laughs> Yeah, well, like I said earlier, like, they don't even seem to be that, that like, struck by the fact that this is a fucking giant monster. Yeah. Not only is it a giant monster, but this is proof that the first Godzilla in Tokyo was not the only one, so who knows how many fucking giant monsters there are. Right. And, but their main concern is just, like, oh, shit, what about the fishing? What about the fishing? Yeah, I mean, this is... <laughs> Like, I get that fish were a very important thing for Japan, right? It's an island nation. Like, right. That's, that's the existential and, threat of food. But this should be bigger existential questions, right? Yeah. And it's also like, it's, this is their livelihood. Yeah. So, obviously, they're going to have concern about that. But we're also talking about total fucking destruction on par with a fucking nuclear bomb. Yeah, like. totally. And. <laughs> And this isn't like, like, I could see there being a movie that focused on the workers and how even during an existential threat like nukes, capitalism is so fucked up that 
that individual worker is is unable to see the bigger issue because they're worried about where their food's going to come from tomorrow. Like that could be a powerful statement, but that's not what's happening here. They're just no. making random people and having them live their lives. Yeah. To, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they, yeah, just go one way or the other. I have a note for this scene that just says, I don't get any of the humor in this movie. So I don't remember why. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh... I mean, I'm not entirely sure about your specific reason, but yeah, there are lots of points where I was like, that's supposed to be funny. Yeah. That's supposed to be funny. <laughs> and, and a lot of the, um, I think I had listened to two different podcasts about this that said something like, oh, this isn't like Marvel humor. This is like actually like smart humor. And I, so I guess I'm just dumb. <laughs> I mean... I don't know what Marvel humor is because I've only seen one Marvel movie. But Ooh, which one? That's uh, Doctor Strange. Oh, interesting. My friend was like, "I think he'd like Doctor the the fight scenes in Doctor Strange because it's like MC Escher esque." They're kind of uh, interesting in that way, yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, but did you tell him beforehand that you hate CGI? <laughs> it was like a five dollar Tuesday, so we went and watched it. Um, I don't hate CGI. I know. Just, I know. I hate it. Um. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Marvel humor is, like, the idea of it is humor that's not funny. It's just, like, isn't it funny that Thor is saying something not serious? Like, I think there are Marvel movies that are funny, but the joke online is that it's, like, oh, you can just make... It's, like, action movie humor. Like... I didn't think the first couple scenes of Deadpool were funny. I really hated the first couple scenes of Deadpool. Is that a Marvel? Uh, it's not Marvel Universe. It's a different company. They own the rights to X Men and Deadpool. Um, it's Sony. Sony just got bought though by Disney, so they do own them now. But back okay. when that was made, no. Which is why in Deadpool two they go to like we're not going to talk about this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So after this scene, Kobayashi throws a surprise party for Sukioka. Do you know why? I That was really weird because they kind of built it up like because he's talking to him on the radio and he's like, oh, you have some special guests that I'm going to uh, that want to see you. And they're like, oh, who are the special guests? Who could it be? Who could it be? And then it's just like has no real weight to who the special guests are. It's well, there like, is oh, old coworkers old... that he hasn't seen in a long time and like his old high school yeah, they're college old... friends or something. Yeah, they're all college friends, and that they also flew in the war together. And I think they're part of the Japanese, the Japan Defense League. Um, okay. Uh, but yeah, it just seemed there was. It seemed like it would have more weight to it than what actually like somebody we being. knew was special or something. Yeah. Okay. Or something that that felt that would have more of a, I guess, an overall reaction and just yeah more implications to the story but there it wasn't really that much i mean i feel Um, like i'm just missing it like maybe it was like a birthday party or something but what it really seems like is like oh we all went through a really hard tragedy but it must have been really hardest for the attractive uh tall guy (laughs) so let's just make sure that the main character gets a party you know well it's also uh the boss's future son-in-law true true and are, are they do you, does it say if they're engaged or if they're just dating? Now that you ask that, I'm not entirely sure, but I thought it was implied that they were engaged. That's the the way I... they kept. Jo- Go ahead. Also, in my translation, they kept joking that Kobayashi needed to find a wife, and his nickname is the groom. The bride because groom. he needed to find a yeah. wife. 
At least in mine yeah. is the bridegroom. Um, if to in mine is the groom. Damn. I think that would change a lot of things because that the fact that I didn't know for sure made the groom lines confusing. And then it also made Kobayashi asking what Hidemi would want confusing because I assumed he meant like wedding gifts. Uh-huh. But if they're just dating, what's he talking about? Yeah, well, when he said that, like I said, I didn't know he was talking about her. In my translation, it's like, what what do girls want? So in my mind, it was kind of like a more oh. overall question, like kind of, it could be philosophical or it could be material. And then her answer was handbags and watches. And I was like, damn, that's shallow as fuck. Oh, damn. In mine, it was definitely like, <laughs> what woman things do you want? Okay. That's so weird, dude. I wonder where <laughs> mine came from. You know what I mean? Like, who? Yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean, maybe mine's the weirder one. Maybe yours is more normal to American audiences. I'm going to put it somewhere in the middle. But okay, whatever. So there's a party. And the party is really where this movie gets pretty slow. Like, it was already slow. And the party is actually, like, I kind of like the shots. It's kind of fine looking. But it's just like, what's happening now? Godzilla killed Angerus, and now y'all are just having a party. Like, what's happening? Yeah, and and you know Godzilla's still out there, and yeah. But um, I like the snow setting. I like the icicles and the oh yeah on the building. I know all the kaiju fans like love that. Yeah, that's a big Um, thing. Uh, yeah, and then he Kobayashi's like bouncing between rooms between like a. Being like, oh, I love you, bosses. And then on his way down, he's just slurping on sake and uh, getting drunk going to the other room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then notice uh, Sukiyaki is drunk and they offer him more to drink and he says no. And then they like basically say like you're doing a woman's level of drinking. And then. <laughs> oh, what's yours say? different than mine. <laughs> what's it say? Mine says like, oh, the henpecking has started already. Oh, wow. Um, Mine says it's a woman's <laughs> level of drinking. Like, it's straight up some, like, fucking uh, King Kong shit. It's like, but you hate women. Um, and then she goes, ha, 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 ha. Um, <laughs> fucking weird, man. Fucking weird. <laughs> I don't know which version is right. This is. <laughs> I also feel like this movie is the one that got the least attention for so long. Like, even in the 90s, I think this was considered like the lost Godzilla film. Or if you were like before the internet, if you were a Godzilla fan, from what I've heard, it was really hard to get your hands on Godzilla Raids again in a version that was yeah. good. So I, I think Gigantus, the fire monster, was what was uh, accessible yeah. in the US for a long time. And so I think that um, I bet that has something like I bet not all the Showa films are going to be this difficult. I bet this is this is one that's like there's there's maybe long stretches between your translation and mine or something or. Yeah, probably. Anything else about the party or should we move right to the next thing? Yeah, I mean, there really isn't much to the party. Like Kobayashi reveals that there he has uh, a potential bride in mind and hidemi is is just like oh let me know and that's that's really the only meat to that yeah that kind of plays out later so the transition from the party to the next scene to me unless i'm missing something is the funniest part of the movie unintentionally 
because the last time that I remember us seeing Sukiyaka, he's getting mocked because he's so drunk he can't drink anymore. And then the next shot is him flying a plane. And they don't say like, <laughs> it's been 12 hours. I woke up and I was, I had a good night's sleep. He's just flying a plane and she's like, come home. And he's like, no. And I'm like, is he just <laughs> drunk as fuck flying this plane? <laughs> so he's just like, cause they, you know, they're all at the party and it's like, oh shit, Godzilla's back. We got to go, blah, blah, blah. And then he's in a plane. And it's like, dude, you were just so drunk. You refused to drink anymore. And now <laughs> you get in a plane. <laughs> I just don't think they thought it through. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, us recording this podcast when we're done recording and I have to be at work in five hours. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but it's you're done recording, you have to be at work in five hours. You don't get a call while we're podcasting. And you're like, you're not like, I'm done fucking, we've been going for fucking two hours of recording, I can't drink anymore, and then, shit, I gotta go to work, and then you're just stacking boxes. <laughs> you at least have five hours, it didn't even feel like you. I know, I know. <laughs> but yeah, I hear you, it reminds me of when I had to be at work at like 3am that one time, so I, I drank and played Overwatch with you and Goblin till like 1am and was like, then I'll have two hours to sober up. And it was the worst day of work. Yeah, I've done that too much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, we're, we're growing up. So <laughs> a lot of this I already mentioned, but yeah, Hidemi's like, the bosses want you home. And he's like, tell the bosses I'm searching. And she's like, jackass. And he smiles. I don't know what your version says, but that's what mine says. The, yeah, that's not what it says on mine. <laughs> but the gist of it is the same, where she's like, she's like, turn back, please. And he's like, nah, I've got to follow this Godzilla. And then they hang up and he has this smirk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not as extreme as the jackass. It's, it's much more light-handed than that. And then, yeah, the next scene, I mean, in the room where she's in, same scene, but like, it's Kobayashi and Hidemi, and we already kind of went into it. We find out it's this weird thing where Kobayashi probably secretly had a crush on her because he has a picture of her in her wallet, which like, I don't know, That's nowadays that's pretty extreme for even if you're dating. So like, <laughs> <laughs> if you're not... Like, I think it's great. I think it's cute if you are dating or if you're married or whatever. But it, if you're I have not, a picture of you in my wallet. It will, yeah, I have a picture of some of my friends in my wallet. Not you, but I... <laughs> I did used to have a picture of Pat in my wallet for a long time. I have I a picture know. of day one in my wallet. <laughs> <laughs> As, like, a fucking second grader. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, I just wrote down what do girls want? handbags watches what do boys want kaiju fights and kaiju and snow so in mine she says oh a handbag and he says handbag and it's in english i think that's kind of funny that handbag is english i don't know if you noticed that um i didn't and then she says a watch he's like oh watches are expensive and she goes stockings are okay and then he goes oh and then she goes how many pairs do i get so that's what <laughs> to me makes it sound like it is supposed to be for her um okay. but i don't know oh and then I when when he's like oh i'm gonna go i need sukiyaki is flying i gotta go help him and he gets in his plane he says like she's like please be careful and he goes use the time to think of what you want 
At least yeah, I mean version. that's the gist of what uh mine is. He's he basically says like you can return the favor by thinking about a uh, uh, the best gift for a girl or something like that. Damn, it's so different though. Like mine is, it feels very clear that it's for her, and yours it's like I need your knowledge yeah. to buy gifts for a girl because I'm the groom. Yeah, that's that's, that's how I read it. <laughs> so. That's so weird. But the interesting thing is none of that fucking matters because it's stupid ass writing and both ways don't affect almost anything in this movie. Yeah. I mean, this is pretty much all these human parts. You're just thinking, God damn it. Yeah. Like, come on. Can I press fast forward? Like, yeah. (laughs) Well, speaking of fast forwarding through human parts, should we rewind? And do the movie through from the perspective of talking about monsters and effects. That was a good effect. That was Charlie's mouth. You'll think I put in some fancy ass rewind sound. That was Charlie's fucking mouth. Got a regular born instrument here. Okay, so starting with the suits. Am I remembering correctly that you said you thought the suits looked good in this one? Godzilla looked good? I thought he looked good. Oh my god, this is the worst Godzilla <laughs> in any movie ever made. Well, maybe wow. Godzilla vs. Kong, I haven't seen it, but he looks like absolute shit. The close-ups of the puppet of his face, it's like it's like they melted the melted skin and then they put toothpicks as teeth that stick outward so that they wouldn't work for any animal. It's horrific. I <sighs> I didn't say the puppets look good. <laughs> I said the costumes look good. <laughs> okay. Take it back. <laughs> I mean, I guess the the costumes look. I mean, the puppets are the weak part of the of 1954 too. Totally, these just somehow look worse, and the costumes look weird. Like his neck is super long, which I guess it works. I mean, yeah, I guess the costumes look okay. The puppets look weird, but in the 1954 one, the puppets use so sparingly. It's like two shots. Yeah, and in this one, they couldn't get the effects right, so. Every time he shoots his breath, it's the puppet. It's never the full suit shooting his breath because the mouth um, doesn't open enough on the on the big suit. And so you look at this fucking close-up, googly-eyed fucking shit stain so many times. It just looks so bad to me. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think the puppet's shots look that great. But, I mean, like I just said, I think those are always the worst part for too. And, yeah, there is too much dependence on it. But the full body shots, I thought, were generally pretty good. Um, I'll give you that. Uh, yeah, they had to make it a, a. They had to make the design a little bit different because they had to make it more agile so they could move better. Yeah, so he could actually but fight. Th- yeah, but I, I thought, I thought it looked pretty good. I, 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 I liked a lot of the kaiju shots. That was the the saving grace in this film, in my opinion. So, what do you think? So, when I watched this movie the first time. I think it was the second Showa era movie I ever watched. I think I watched Godzilla 1954 and then I watched this. And I remember thinking the fights, that I thought the fights looked awesome. And now when I watch it, they don't look awesome to me. And I don't know if that's Hmm. because I'm used to the, because this is the only one that did the fast forward fighting technique, you know? And I think maybe when I watched that the first time, like I still do like how it's like scrappy, but it just doesn't work for all of it. You know what I mean? Do you know why it's fast-forwarded like that? Well, I know there's two different versions of the story. Um, I know that Tsuburaya wanted it to be slow-mo, and somebody cranked, uh, one of the camera people cranked the machine the wrong direction so it would actually be fast-forward. 
And then the yeah. the two interpretations I've heard, one is that he he th- said, actually, that looks better. And they went with it. And the other is that it was a total mistake the whole time. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard both that, that okay. uh, he was he was OK with it and he thought it looked good. And then uh, the other one is he wasn't happy with it, but he said, let's go do? with it anyways. Yeah, like we're under budget constraints, yeah. time constraints. We got to go with it. But yeah, because uh, the action in 1954 was was slowed down to give it more uh, gravitas and oomph. So he wanted to do that again. And then one of the cameramen uh, didn't know how to do that. And he did it the wrong way and it ended up being fast paced instead. Which is pretty funny because um, like, I don't know much about cameras. But I, <laughs> I know that if you increase the amount of frames it'll be slower and if you decrease it it'll be faster but i'm also not under the pressure of like a six month complete shoot with super breathing down my neck so i might have made the same yeah mistake. it's also 1955 not 2021 from someone who's watched a thousand different dvds and knows everything about tarantino <laughs> shut um, the fuck up. i haven't even seen every tarantino movie <laughs> if you said that in uh if you if you made that jab in 2002 when i was part of the tarantino forums you would have been correct but now it wasn't it wasn't meant to be a jab ah <laughs> uh, okay all right, all right. <laughs> um i don't know i think there's pluses and minuses. I do think it actually looks more brutal and animalistic. Yeah, it totally does. Uh, compare this to where like Godzilla and Rodan are hitting a rock back and forth to each other like a fucking volleyball match. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is much more. It's, it's very. It's a more brutal fight than you know, you'll tend to see. Um, and yeah, much scrappier, more animalistic, um, bloodier. And, Definitely. A lot of other fights, yeah. Yeah, I don't think the blood... If I'm remembering off the top of my head, I don't think the blood comes back for, like, six or seven more movies. Yeah. And one thing is the Osaka Castle. I think, if if I'm remembering, it's the, like, the White Heron Castle that they, like, destroy while they're fighting. That fucking castle... Like, that's an ancient castle. You don't rebuild an ancient castle, right? It's just fucked. (laughs) That castle gets destroyed in this movie. This in uh mothra versus godzilla in i believe in god king kong versus godzilla although i haven't seen i it think yet. so so like i think so three godzilla movies in a row they destroy the same castle yeah this is a very anti-monarchy <laughs> uh series you're right you're right that's why he's fighting the king you're right, you're right. yep <laughs> um well, should we go into some specific sequences and then keep talking about the fighting stuff as we go? Yeah, sure. That sounds good. Okay, so the first sequence is the first appearance on the island. And I want to push back a little on something you said in your synopsis. You said that Sukiyaka and Kobayashi crash land on this island, but only Kobayashi does, right? Yeah, 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 I know. Well, I'm just making I just sure. Trying... I, that made me think I missed it. No, no, I was just trying to... Just condense it down. Got it. Okay, but if they both don't crash, because when you said that, I was like, maybe I misunderstood, and that explains this thing that's been bothering me. I was confused by, like, why they're, like, camping out there. Like, why did... That's what I was going to ask. 
Why are they starting yeah. <laughs> a fire and like drying off their clothes when they could just get in the plane and go? Like, is yeah, it, is it because it's I, a one seater plane? And if so, then how did they escape anyway? Yeah, I, I assumed. I don't know what I assumed. I assumed it wasn't a two. I mean, I assumed it wasn't a one seater plane, and they would be able to escape in their plane. And I was confused by why they were fucking camping out there. Um, Here's my so, new theory. Yeah, I have no idea. Just came up with it. Kobayashi right. crashes. Sukiyaka goes there. And then he's like, yo, we're on this island. Let's just fucking waste some of our fucking labor that we're, that's devalued anyway and have a fire. Like, fuck it. And then the boss catches wind of that later and is like, you all were supposed to be working to find the tuna and you just had a fire. And that's why they're such kiss asses the whole movie because they're um, in trouble and this is their like last chance. Okay. I was going to say, my theory is uh, Kobayashi crash landed and Sukiyaki was like, I don't want him to feel bad about crashing, so I'm going to crash land too. And that way, he won't feel like he sucks. That's smart. Flying. That's smart. Yeah. Totally. What a good thing. I, that's what I would do for you. So, <laughs> what do you think about the fact that, unlike the original Godzilla and a lot of kaiju films, we see the monsters pretty early on, and it's... Um, yeah. <laughs> like, what do you think about that, that first showing? Yeah, I did think it was funny how... You know, there's the last movie, there's this delay for suspense, and this, they're just like, let's just show that fucking monster right away. But we'll only show him through two, uh, through this little uh, enclosement between these two cliffs, so you don't get a full shot of him. And then, uh, and then they did the same with Angris, and you don't get to see the full Angris, uh, which, I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of hoped. I wanted to see more than they were showing us, I guess. So they're going to go ahead and show us something. I wanted to see more because they were showing us enough of a glimpse where it wasn't, it didn't feel like it was suspenseful that they weren't showing us all of Godzilla and all of Angerus. Mm. So I was kind of like, just go ahead and fucking show us then. You're going to show us like a third of the monster, anyways. Like, I mean, it seems. It kind of, I see what you're saying, but it, it kind of reminded me of Beast from 20,000 Fathoms where they're like, or in Antarctica, and they're just like, oh, there's a leg and a tail. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, then we know there's a giant beast. <laughs> like, the... I feel like this is more of it, because we actually saw, like, their faces. Oh, okay. Um... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it, but in the context of, of the movie already being not that great, I, th- I think it works. Like, they're fighting. Yeah. I do think that the... They don't have buildings to show scale, and I know... A personal problem I have with later Godzilla films that happen on islands because of budgets is that there's no scale. Like, these things could be four inches tall and you wouldn't know. But here, I do think that Sukiyaka and Kobayashi being there, they did a good job with the scale, in my opinion. Like, the humans showed the scale, and then they did... It didn't work perfectly where, like, the, the rocks and the dust were falling down on the two main characters from the fight. Like, I I, I say it didn't work because I don't think the way that they were showing Godzilla and Anguirus fighting would drop that debris on them. But I do think it worked to show like, oh, our human characters are in the same scene with these monsters. And I thought that worked pretty well. I liked that intro, but in general, the fight was just kind of, I mean, I guess back at the time it would have been like, whoa, two monsters are fighting. We've never seen this. Um, And then they just kind of like dive sideways into the ocean and it's over. Yeah. And it looks yeah. I know that they purposely had them in the suits. It was like a very dangerous shot because they have air holes that the water's going to go in and flood them and they had people under the water to lift them up and all this stuff. 
But, like, it still just looked like suits flopping into the water, you know? Hey, it's suitmation, baby. Sometimes you just gotta fucking roll with it. It's true. You gotta float with it. You gotta float along You with can't it. roll with it. Maybe you should make a podcast about Love Actually. You know how I feel about Love Actually. Don't bring that up. I, I don't know. I've never seen it. I have no opinions. <laughs> um, I haven't seen it either. It's my brother. It used to be my brother's favorite movie. Let's watch it. I don't, I don't know what it still is. No, I'm good. All right. Should we move on to when they actually attack Osaka? Osaka attack. Go. So the planes are chasing Godzilla in this weird triangle formation, almost like they're trying to look like a UFO. I'm just saying. Um, kind of like our pilots chase schools of fish. I don't know if that's supposed to be a parallel, but, you know, that's the parallel that's happening. And they say in my version, I have to qualify for every quote now, Godzilla may be traveling along the Earth's crust, which to me was a little bit of an interesting line. I think they're just trying to say deep underwater. But the fact that we are now dealing with a lot of movies where there's this hollow Earth and Godzilla's home is underwater, it was kind of an interesting little thing I wanted to point out. I don't remember whether or not that line is in mine. But yeah, that, that is interesting. What else about this scene? Osaka. Monsters. Effects. It's fast-paced. <laughs> it's fast Literally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what about, like, the lead-up before they're fighting? Like, the tanks and the soldiers, or Godzilla's appearance? Do you have anything about that? Well, the tanks and the soldiers... So, like, the way they unload on Godzilla... On the one hand, I get it. This is a different Godzilla than the first one. So, hey... We gotta try it. On the other hand, the first Godzilla demonstrated that conventional weaponry doesn't do shit against them. So, yeah, you gotta try it, but after you fucking use $20 million worth of fucking artillery against this beast, maybe realize, okay, this one's like the first Godzilla, and this isn't gonna have an effect on it. I love that you're saying that on this movie, because... We have 32 movies to go, and I can't think of a single <laughs> one where the military doesn't unload $20 million worth of fucking ammunition. I feel like there's just such extended shots, in, in, both in this and in the conclusion, of just, like, the constant fucking firing against Godzilla. And it's just, like, it really drags the scenes out longer than they need to be. Yeah. And there's just so many shots. Totally. And then there's even a scene later in this, there's a part later in this whole scene where there's a bunch of, I guess it was the military, I, I don't know if it's, I also wasn't sure if they were cops, but they're like standing around holding out, holding their handguns, like ready to shoot at them. And it's like, really? You've just seen your fucking Those tanks cops, go yeah. off on this and you're going to pull out your fucking handguns so who gets the dumb cop award is it the cops that kneel and crouch with their tiny pistols aimed at godzilla or is it the ones who are in the back of a prisoner transport vehicle without numbered by prisoners who aren't handcuffed it's a good question it's a good question we gotta pick one i say they all get the awards it's like the aois <laughs> i was gonna say the one in the back of the police uh transport because at least in the ones there's more of a group mentality where it's easy to just be like oh i i thought that was stupid but i guess they don't think it's stupid so i'm gonna follow along 
Like that's I, wait, I get that. Wait, 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 wait. Are you using the fucking I was just following orders argument to say that that makes someone smarter because that's No, I'm saying peer pressure is a thing. That doesn't necessarily make them smarter, but it's more understandable on a uh, human relations. This isn't the least understandable cop award. This is the dumb cop award. <laughs> I don't know. They're all fucking dumb cops. I was trying to figure out a way to differentiate. Correct answer. Thank you, Charlie. And uh, as we agreed off air, um, we're also going to be giving out our our bastard cop award. And it goes to all cops, even ones not in the movie. (laughs) Also, by the way, we didn't do a dumb cop award for the last movie, but we did a lot of other things. So I think it's okay. Well, after this, we'll record another hour of uh, (laughs) Godzilla 1954 where we discuss... You should be the dumb guy. That stressed me out so hard I knocked my headphone out and I can't find it. Hold on. (laughs) After the tanks and soldiers are preparing, we have Godzilla's head appears out of the water. You know, the long-necked crumbly boy. There's the cymbal sounds from Sato, the composer. And he looks like Godzilla looks ugly as shit. Thank you, Charlie, for telling me who the composer was. Um, And I think a lot of this scene looks for lack of a better terms gross and dumb but i do think that the building of suspense before the attack actually works pretty well we have the dance with like people are having fun and then the alarms go off and there's shelter orders and uh they say like evacuate and like be calm calmly evacuate and nobody is they whatever and then all the city lights go off and the military is preparing did you know like i feel like this movie is so weird because, again, like I said, it, it, it contradicts so many of the ideas of the earlier film and, like, uh, instilling the fear of military in us, right? The military are kind of the good guys. But the city lights going off, did you know that's, like, a reference to, like, that's what Japanese cities would do during World War Two? Yeah, that's what I meant to bring up is that this is a, a reference to the, uh, the response to air bombing. Yeah. Yeah, is that they would turn off all the lights. Um, Which, yeah, I didn't know until... So that- like 10 minutes before we recorded and that it, it still it adds like a suspense and darkness it's 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 kind of like we were saying with the first movie it it works on so many levels those kind of things like when you're referencing real things it works because it's scary in and of itself because it would make sense but it also works because the people there would have known what that meant yeah and even though like you see like shots of like planes flying through the air and even though you know that in the context of the movie that those are part of the uh, Japanese defense is still kind of adds to this oh, whole yeah. that whole aspect of like the horror coming from the air. Um, totally, that would come from that knowledge. I hadn't thought of that. And yeah, there's so many shots of 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 military planes flying over cities, and yeah, yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. You're right. Well, before Godzilla gets to land, he he comes across a thing that to me looks like a lighthouse. And he, like, knocks it over with its tail. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It made me wonder if that was a reference to, um, in the first movie. Right. So, from Beast from 20,000 Fathoms, there was a lighthouse scene. And then in the Godzilla, in the original script, there it was based off the Beast of 20,000 Fathoms. So, there was also a lighthouse scene. And they ended up writing that out. So, this made me wonder if that was kind of like a holdover reference to that. To me, it almost seemed like a reference or like it could have been like a joke making fun of that beast. Like, look how much bigger ours is because his whole body needed to rip down that one. And it's like this epic silhouetted shot in Beast from 20,000 Fathoms. And Godzilla is just like, 
my tail hits it. It's, just, <laughs> it's over. I'm so big. I don't even know it's doing that. And yeah, I think we're on yeah. the same page. There. Maybe, uh, maybe they learned that Harry Housen had a grudge against Godzilla. <laughs> so they're just like, fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Our beast is so much better. Yeah. We can derp down the buildings that were, were a lot of work for your. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So we have that close up where Godzilla roars and his eyes focus on the camera and he looks however either of us thinks he looks and then um as you said the military just unloads and it doesn't affect godzilla at all and in fact like not only does it not affect godzilla but the way the effects work to me it doesn't even look like the explosions are in the same scene as godzilla they're just very clear on a different piece of film you know yeah but in contrast to that i mean Maybe you could say, if we want to be like generous, that that's an artistic choice to show the uh, how unable the military is to affect Godzilla. Meanwhile, when Godzilla shoots down the planes the, uh, with his breath, it looks pretty sick to me still. Yeah, it looks pretty awesome. So then we got um, the fight between Godzilla and Anguirus. This is the first time when they're on the, what do you call it, a dock? They're on something before they get to the city. and I guess that works, yeah. The fighting looks good, but there's definitely some weird shit. Like, there, do you notice there's a fight where they, they're, like, wrestling, and then suddenly the next shot is just, like, Angiris by themselves on all fours looking the opposite direction, like, knocking over a building. Yeah. And then the next shot they're I wrestling miss... in the same position. I miss that. <laughs> My favorite part is when, like, the fight, I think it's when, like, it first starts up. And they they recognize each other, and Godzilla like puts his dukes up. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But uh, no, I did not notice that that mistake. That's that's very. I don't even funny. know if it's a mistake. It's just yeah, they they clearly like it's like interspersed shots where mm-hmm. either we're missing time or or whatever. And then um, there's onlookers, and I, I do think the rear projection looks pretty bad with the onlookers in this section. It's not even rear projection of like this epic fight which i would understand looking bad it's like rear projection of like buildings that have been torn down or something yeah i did notice that the rear projection didn't look that great but um i'm kind of used to rear projection a lot of the time doesn't look that great so it kind of didn't didn't register in my brain sure uh we've been spoiled with movies like godzilla and king kong where rear projection has been used really well and that is not always the case (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) So there are some shots that aren't sped up, like they're they're fighting sped up, but then there's some where they're knocking buildings down where they show close-ups of these miniatures. And like for doing this movie in six months, it's pretty impressive. Like the slower shots of these buildings collapsing look so fucking good and realistic. It's really impressive. Yeah, that kind of gives you a, an idea why th- when uh, Subaraya saw that the footage was shot at the wrong speed, he was like, all right, I guess we'll just accept it because it's going to take so much to fucking rebuild everything and make... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that makes sense. It's such uh, an intense amount of work that goes into creating all this shit. It's, it, you, when you're under a six-month fucking time frame and a, a strict budget, it's like, well, I guess we'll go with that. <laughs> I mean, just even creating one miniature car that was, like, the right weight in balance with all the other things would take fucking yeah. so long. I just can't even imagine. Yeah. 
Um, and then we have, as you mentioned, like, so the buildings collapse and then there's a flood of the subway. And that's when, um, as you said, the prisoners die. That flooding of the subway sequence to me is the peak effects of the movie. Like, I feel like it looks so fucking good. Yeah, that looks great. Just made me sad that we had to put the prisoners in there. We don't need that. I don't want to see the prisoners die. Yeah, right? Totally. <laughs> They're the heroes of the movie, in my opinion. They're the only heroes. <laughs> so then, okay, so we have the fight between the first kaiju on kaiju fight in Japanese cinema. Yeah, I mean, I liked how scrappy it was. I liked how brutal it was. It was more animalistic than we'll tend to see in the in these movies going forward, and so that's kind of a fun departure. The sped up part of it, like part of me liked it and part of me didn't like it. Uh, like I could really go either way on it. So I mean, I guess in terms of it just being an original feature that we won't come back to, that's kind of fun. Yeah, totally. Um, but overall, yeah, I enjoyed the fight and I I like seeing Anguirus and his uh, full glory. Um, <laughs> He's such a fucking. Uh, the word that keeps coming to mind is derp. Like, he's like, wah, wah, wah. like I don't, like. Do you remember the part where Godzilla shoots his breath at him the first time and it hits him straight in the face and he's just like, Mwah. like, he doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, they knock over hella buildings fighting each other, and I do, I do enjoy the hell out of that, and it is very primal, you know. Yeah, I mean. I've known you for like, how old am I? 17? I don't remember years? how old I am. I've known you for like 17 or 18 years. And one thing I've always known about you is you love seeing buildings destroyed. Yes. That's from the beginning of time. So yeah. How do you, how do you feel about how Godzilla ends Anguirus? It's fucking brutal. It uh makes me feel bad for Anguirus, but it's kind of awesome. Like, it's a brutality that you won't come to see in this series for the most part, especially in the show era, where he just fucking clamps down on his neck and you see blood and then he and then Angus's corpse is on the ground in the harbor and fucking Godzilla just lights it up. Which is <laughs> like, so funny considering shit, that he breathed that same atomic breath on his face minutes before. And Angiris is just like, <laughs> yeah. oh, whatever. And then it's like, we don't know if Angiris is dead or just wounded. And it blows, it lights on fire and kills him. <laughs> uh, that's funny. I did feel like the ending of Angiris was pretty anticlimactic. Um, I, I like that the movie doesn't yeah. follow the normal thing that we're used to of like, they fight once, they retreat. Then they have a final fight together. And that's the end of the movie. Like, I kind of like that he dies two thirds of the way in or something or even less, like a little over half. But it also, I don't know, it's like at least it was a surprise, I guess is what I'm saying. If we're talking about just monster fight dynamics. But it, yeah. it was a little bit just like, oh, that's it. Yeah, like we said, um, this is my first time viewing the movie for this episode. And I was surprised because I had always known this as... Uh, the first movie where Godzilla fights a foe, the first movie where Angris is, and, you know, it was the first wrestling match between Godzilla and, and another opponent. And that was so surprising for me to see Angris die halfway through the movie. It was like, oh, okay, what's going to come up now? Yeah. Um, yeah. 
And I like the uh, the saving grace for the final fight is that it takes place in snow. <laughs> that's that's a it's a low bar. Um, sweet. Do you nope. want, do you want to move on to the 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 final scene with Godzilla? Let's do it, baby. So first we see Godzilla swimming, and I gotta say he looks very funny swimming. It's just looks like an action figure being held up under the water. Like nothing in about his especially after the modern legendary Godzilla's where he looks so good swimming. It just it's funny. Just gotta say that. But then we see Godzilla on an island. We have no reason why he's gone to the island. He's just there on a snowy island, right? Yeah. He's just standing there. <laughs> you right? So do you know why he's just standing there? No. Okay, so I have heard theories and they kind of made sense to me. And I, when I watched it this time, I was like, okay, maybe that like the snow and the cold were slowing him down and it was supposed to show like that he wouldn't be able to react as fast to kind of make the ending make more sense. But I read right before we recorded that actually they had a prop just for that scene because I, I, I'm assuming because the island actually wasn't full scale, so they couldn't use the guy in the suit as much for the big shots. It was a wind up prop. So they were supposed to wind it up and let Godzilla go, and he was supposed to be walking. But in editing, it looked so bad that they just cut all that out so they only could use the scenes where it wasn't moving. And that's why he's just standing all the time. That's hilarious. It explained so much, because I was just like, why is this guy who just destroyed a fucking factory and beat the only other giant monster just standing still like a fucking <laughs> I figured he just he just thought the cold felt good. Yeah. He's radioactive. He's fucking heating up. Cool that baby down. Which we didn't even mention. He destroyed that factory, right? And then the yeah. workers are just working there. And the last yeah. movie, it was like, he leaves radioactive. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing in this movie. I... I, I meant to bring that up and i was like oh i really need to bring this up before we end the episode they make nothing about godzilla's radioactiveness like, yeah and they never in will the again. first movie it's like he steps somewhere that area is radioactive like yeah. everywhere he goes and touches he re- leaves that shit and yeah. it's destructive humans and they just like yeah that's too complicated we're not gonna deal with that that's too dark um, yeah. yeah, and I don't think it's ever brought up again as far as I know. And, I mean, whatever. If we're going to do a thing we could do, which is, like, justify it in-universe, we could say, well, this is a different Godzilla. And it makes yeah. sense that one Godzilla had one feature and this other Godzilla consistently has a different feature. So it's actually not inconsistent. But that's dumb. They brought back Godzilla as Godzilla. He's Godzilla. He would do right. that. You know? Like, everything else is the right. Same. But also, his the job. only reason why this is another Godzilla is because they are trying to find a mechanism to bring to back, figure Godzilla. out how to make a franchise out of it. Because we saw his fucking <laughs> ribs in the last one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, this is the only Godzilla movie where his spikes don't light up, and as he's about to shoot atomic uh-huh. energy, but he doesn't all he doesn't all the rest. So that's that's not something that stays. Unlike the radiation thing, which just like that's convenient to be able to have our characters like still live in cities, you know. Yeah, that's such a cool aspect of him. Like the radiation. Yeah, like yeah. wherever he goes, just fucking radiated. It's, yeah, it's that's. I I do want more Godzilla horror movies. Like I really want yeah. some ones that are fucking like because that's 
that's what happened in the first one and it's so fucked up and i get why you can't have that for 36 movies or whatever it is but like <laughs> hoof it's brutal yeah so as we said kobayashi he doesn't want to lose godzilla so he flies really close to him and calls him a bastard in my version which is the right version and then, I don't think that happens in my version. <laughs> um, and then everybody bomb these these Air Force people that come out of nowhere and just start bombing Godzilla. And I like that they're bombing the shit out of Godzilla, and he's just like flailing around. It doesn't affect him at all. He's just like dancing. Yeah. <laughs> and the it, the scene goes on forever, and they're yeah. just like firing at him over and over and over, and she's like, "God damn it!" I, I love these shots in the snow because all kaiju fans love kaiju fights in the snow. But, yeah. god damn, this goes on forever. Well, and also it's like like Kobayashi's looking for him, and, and we'll get to it a little later when uh, Sukiyaka joins the, the, the military somehow. But, like, I think they just realize at the end of the script, like, oh, we... Like, fucking tuna pilots can't have anything to do with this so suddenly the air force appears and then they're like like every minute they become more and more the main characters of the movie till it's over it's so strange yeah Um, well the air force these people were the friends that uh sukiyaka met up with at the party right i'm pretty sure that's that's i didn't notice that at all like tajimi or whatever his name is tajima was I no idea what the he are. becomes the main character like he and he looks a lot like Sukiyaka, so it's very confusing he just suddenly becomes the main character and they both of their names start with a t and s or a t so whatever so 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 kobayashi is like trying to be a good guy and then he's just shot down by godzilla because he's whatever flying too close and i did kind of feel like if this was a better movie i would assume that this was supposed to show that like innocent people get hurt in retaliation for military actions, right? Like the military is bombing Godzilla. So he's mad. And that's why he shoots down Kobayashi. But I don't actually know that that's what happened. That's just me trying to find some kind of meaning in this fucking (laughs) endless scene. I, um, yeah, like I said, I thought I had read slash heard that the ending scene was Kobayashi killing himself to show that you need to cause an avalanche. And that, when I watched it, I was like, no, that's there's, not there's what's not happening at all. There's not a thing that's... to indicate that. No, that's, yeah. It's... <laughs> there's a pattern of but him I crashing, mean... and he says nothing about that. Yeah. And basically everyone's just like, oh, look, he showed us by dying that we should try to cause an avalanche. <laughs> it's very weird. And they don't seem to be too upset about his death. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Um, although the last line of the movie is about his death, but we'll get to that. Um, yes. So Tajima suddenly is the guy that we're supposed to know by name. Who's part of the air force out of nowhere. And so they see that. And like you said, they, they, they discuss that, but you'd think they could just be like, Oh, we need to attack the mountain. Do it. But instead they're like, let's all yeah. go back to the boardroom. <laughs> let's get yeah. out of our planes. I, let's look at a diagram. They could have cut like five. They could have cut five minutes out of there. It's like, like the audience the f- gets it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and I also love that they're like, we got to level the mountain. It's like, yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, And then, yeah, Sukiyaka is like, can I please join you? And they're like, all right. <laughs> and it's like, you just watched Godzilla 2014. Did that seem familiar? 
like the main character is like retired and he's going home and he just oh, keeps yeah, being yeah, like, yeah. let me join all your squads on each mission. Let me drop out of a fucking helicopter. Yeah, they're just like, all right, I guess so. <laughs> it's the same thing. Like, I think this starts a trend in Godzilla where like, not that intense, but like in a lot of Godzilla movies, the main characters just roll up to like military checkpoints and are like, hey, we're, we're, we're the scientists. And they're like, cool. And they just let them in. And it's just like that. <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, oh, you're a tuna cannery pilot? Yeah, sure. Let's, we have an extra plane. <laughs> of course, uh, if I am correct in that this squadron were his former college mates, and I think they also said they flew together in the war, they would have more reason for uh, sure. allowing him along. But still, that seems to uh, violate protocol. And it's just many way too much habits. bureaucracy for that to happen yeah. that quick. I don't yeah. buy it. So they all they all go, you know, to get ready for the attack. And I don't remember in that boardroom scene that was supposed to like, you know, we needed them to stop and explain everything. But I don't remember them explaining hmm. the barrels. They just no. start use. They just start Donkey Konging some barrels out towards them. They, like, yeah, we're gonna use video game logic. If we shoot these, they'll blow up. They say something like, "We need to create a fire gate." I think they say fire gate. Okay, or fire fence. Gotcha. Did you notice when the when the the toy ships are coming up to the shore that there's toy figurines of men on them? They're no, <laughs> totally still. That <laughs> rules. So <laughs> shitty. It's like really, like just have a BMD. We don't care. <laughs> also, the the drums completely change scale and size when they're next to the toy of Godzilla. Like it's like the dudes would have been so huge, like up to Godzilla's ankles if they were pushing those fucking drums. And then my biggest beef. I've foreshadowed this quite a bit. Uh, they decide to create a fire gate, right? That's an explosion that leads to fire, which makes Godzilla go the other way to keep him inland. Even though the film established that the prisoners causing the explosions in the fire drew Godzilla to the shore to attack the city. Now explosions and fire will strategically push him away. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it... So I don't know how it translates in your version. In my version, when Yamane explained the light stuff, he said that Godzilla is acutely sensitive to light and it sends him into a rage because it brings back memories of the hydrogen bomb test. I'm glad he's Which, just like getting all psychological, like he knows what's happening with Godzilla's brain by watching him destroy a city twice. Like... Yeah, and also that all doesn't make sense in the first place because, like, if it's if lights send him into a rage, I don't know. You're like, you're still trying to send him into a rage when you're showing when you're uh, shooting his flares out. Like, rage that way. <laughs> yeah. He has to rage directly at the. He he really likes that poem. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. That's... <laughs> it's a good poem. Um, Who's that by? Oh uh, god damn it! I wasn't drunk. I know this. Um, Same. I'm because go with, there's a great let's, there's a great John Cale song that quotes it. Let's go with Bukowski. <laughs> mm, I'm gonna go with John Cale. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's probably uh, <laughs> John Waters. Um, Roger Waters. <laughs> no. Okay. 
So anyway, they blow up things, and then all the planes start coming, and man, watching... So there's like three or four groups of planes that are shooting missiles at the mountain to try to make the snow fall, which is just so funny. But man, none, none of the groups get by unscathed. Like, some mm. crash into mountains, some are swatted out of the air with Godzilla's hands, which is the yeah, best. Yeah, that's the best. best, when he just fucking yeets that plane. Fucking <laughs> King Kong on the top of the Empire State Building down these fucking planes. <laughs> yeah. And then shoots him out of the air with his breath, and it's just, it's, like, I'm, I don't like the military, I want them to die, but it's too many planes. Like, it makes no sense <laughs> that this many planes got this close to him. Or just and crashed. also, like all they're doing is they're just like shooting him and like you fuckers know that that's well, not no, gonna do the mountain shit. at this point they're shooting the mountain to drop oh, okay the yeah they already okay. did the sequence where they dropped the bombs on him that does not all right all right yeah and then godzilla just gets covered in ice which i heard was real ice fucking they cold what they want to make it realistic. Yeah, they're like, we need good facial expressions on you. They're like, Nakajima, we're going to hibernate you until uh, the next <laughs> Godzilla movie. <laughs> I took it more as like, Nakajima, we know that you're that you're a method actor. We're going to use real ice, you know, because we, we respect your craft. <laughs> and yeah, the final line, I don't know how yours, yours translates. Do you have Do you have it written down? I didn't write it down. In mine is like we killed Godzilla for you, Kobayashi, or something like mine's that. Mine's Kobayashi. We got Godzilla for you. Yeah. We'll go back to that in a minute. Okay, so that's the end of Godzilla in this movie. He's he's buried in ice. First, he's buried to his waist in ice, and it's kind of funny. Then he's buried totally, and I guess we're supposed to assume. I don't know where this island is. I don't know why it's so goddamn icy compared to the other places we've been, but I guess we're supposed to assume that this will hold him for a while this is off the coast of hokkaido and when we seen shots of hokkaido uh that it was uh snowy there good call good call so we're supposed to assume like they can't kill godzilla but they're at least keeping him down for now um it's a very shin godzilla ending and i think it, it starts a trend of godzilla being frozen or, or or just put in a state where he's not dead but he's he's uh not able to do anything quite yet. Yeah, and there's a the next movie is uh, Godzilla vs Kong, and there's a it's one of the few movies where there's like a direct kind of um, transition between the two movies where we hear about how Godzilla is being unfrozen from the ice or whatever. Which is interesting because that's one of the longest breaks. Um, that's seven. Yeah, year that's like seven movies. movies. Yeah. yeah, which is the seven longest movie. Seven years. <laughs> What'd you say? I said. Se- I said, that's seven movies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it basically is seven kaiju movies made by Toho until then. But um, Yes, that's true. <laughs> around. Uh, but yeah, that's the longest break between movies until um, 1985 to 19... Or sorry, 1975 to 1984. Um, so it's a, that's a pretty big break. And I wonder why this movie, um, although critically loved at the time, was not a big hit really? with audiences. Yes, it had a much better critical response than the first. But to me, that's just the spinelessness of critics, right? Like, they responded yeah. poorly to the first one, and then this one came out. So they're like, oh, it's a Godzilla. Everybody loves it. We did wrong. We got to say it's good. But it's not. That's what I assume, because that happens nowadays. Yeah. I've heard it has more to do with, like, the perception of fantasy and sci-fi movies at the time in Japan being that they're supposed to just be fun and not political. Well, you know what I have to say? 
Hey, Robert Ebert, you're dumb as shit. Fuck Roger, you. Roger Ebert. I know, I was making a... Okay, I thought... Oh, man. I was making a reference. Good job. Good job. <laughs> um, so, of that scene, before we go into the bigger questions, the existential questions of this movie, is there anything else about the effects, the monsters, that scene, anything that you wanted to talk about? I love that snow. I love that ice. Totally. We need we need more uh we need more kaiju movies and snow and ice, baby. That's that's where it's all at. Wasn't Honda's next monster movie the like Yeti one? Maybe he that's... did do a Yeti movie. I uh I'm completely unfamiliar with it, but I would assume that took place in the snow. Which is funny because he has uh Shimera in the first Godzilla talk about how talk about like the footprints and the from the abominable snowman or something like that. Oh, that's right. The Yeti from the Yeti. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. His 1955 movie. So I think it was actually the movie he was making during this was no, during this, he was making like a, a love movie targeted towards female audiences. Okay. Well, um, yeah. In 1955, he made beast human snowman. So seems like something up your alley. Yeah, that was actually used to be my nickname in high school. Peace, Human Summit, I remember that, yeah. Yep. Um, but that had more to do with cum swapping than anything else. Um, <laughs> it always does. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so, cool. Should we should we move on to uh, the meaning and message of the movie? All right. I don't know what the fuck that is, but well, let's do it. Let's start with the final line. So... We just talked about it, and in Godzilla 1954, the final line of the movie is something like, if humanity keeps up these nuclear tests, another Godzilla could come. So it's kind of a, what's that called when you have like a fable, like a morality tale of like, no, it's a, what's the term? It's like a warning. Don't do this shit. So this one is... It's not really a term. There's there's a term. It's, there's a fucking term, bro. You're just not (laughs) well read enough. Um, (laughs) Um... so, You're the English major. <laughs> so this one, the line is Kobayashi. We got Godzilla for you, which <laughs> doesn't seem quite as impactful. You really don't. Your your delivery is not really doing it any justice. Okay, let's though. say it's a dramatic, beautiful <laughs> delivery of Kobayashi. We got Godzilla for you. It's like, but first of all, you didn't get Godzilla. He's just frozen for a bit. And he's coming back. Second of all. Before it was the, this, this imp, the impetus was on humanity to do better, and this time was like humanity did better. The military bombed Godzilla, and now we don't. We're all good. It's it's like revenge. I don't know. To me, it's just a, yeah. It's a very sad place to go. It does feel like revenge, um, and also like the whole. Probably should have brought this up before. The whole final scene, just because we just see Godzilla just standing there, yeah. it just feels like so um, uh, unheroic. <laughs> like, and yet, right? But like in the first one, Godzilla is such a bigger terror than in this one. But the reason yeah. that Honda is such a like crafted, like such a such a skilled filmmaker, and and a thing that carries on through most kaiju movies is that you feel for godzilla it's a tragic ending for godzilla but in this one he's Mm -hmm. standing still while the military destroys him and then they're like we got godzilla it's like (laughs) no tragedy for the monster you know 
This is what I mean of like, it just seems like, okay, we got Godzilla. Okay, it's an action movie. But like the more I think about it, everything is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 100%. But I sure did like it when he eated that plane. It's yeah no it was great when he eated the plane that's the only reason that any of us feel uh, sympathy is because he's really good at eating planes and shit and destroying tuna factories which you know they're fucking bringing tuna to extinction Godzilla knows what he's doing it's not the legacy yeah. idiots it's not the prisoner's fault yeah what this film forgot to show us is that those tuna people were uh, freezing tuna in the basements of the factory so that when tuna went extinct they would be able to sell them at marked up prices yeah yo mitsubishi has a 40 percent hold on the tuna fucking population and that's of 2011 i don't even know where it's at now so just remember buy toyota um (laughs) so the official sponsor of no gods no monsters toyota like I've said before, I, I don't think this movie is a purposeful fuck you to the last movie, but I think that it's paying so little attention and just trying to like bust out a script that it's accidentally being a giant fuck you to not only the last movie, Godzilla 1954, but to the like to everything it stands for. So this line in my version, I don't know if it's the same as your version, Godzilla defeats Angiris in Osaka and retreats in the water. And then somebody, I don't remember who, says, the greatest disaster of the century is over. Oh, Jesus. And mine is like, the greatest battle of the century has been fought or something like that. Okay, so that makes more sense. Because you're talking about two giant monsters. I don't know what's right. I hope it's yours. Because in mine, it basically is saying, (laughs) him destroying a factory and killing no one that we see is not only worse than Godzilla, but worse than Hiroshima, Nagasaki, the fire bombing of Tokyo, Lucky Isle, uh, Dragon number five. Like, that one just made me, like, spit my beer out and rewind and look at it again. Um, I mean, I think I think they destroyed a bigger portion of Osaka than just the factory. But yes, probably. Uh, your, your point still stands. <laughs> yes. It's just, like... Yeah. Yeah. And then also... But... No, mine was definitely, like, that was the battle of the century okay. that we just witnessed. All right. I mean, still uh, 10 years after World War II, that's, 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 that's a thing to say. Um, but there's other... It's not just that line in isolation, like, oh, God, they're all lines. So who knows how this will go? What are we going to do with our lives? Um what, uh, there's a line, our love of peace must be set aside. And then right after that, we should consider using the H bomb against Godzilla. And both of those things, neither of those are in yours. Not that I recall. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, they were clearly, watch in, me just be just like, so you know, this is from the Godzilla box set that came out before criterion collection. So it's not like some random uh-huh. people, just so you know. This is downloaded right. from the uh, 1954 all the way through Heisei box set that used to come out. Right. Some of the quotes you're using I've heard in reference to this movie. Okay. So I'm wondering if the translation you're using is actually more well-known than the translation from the Criterion set. Well, I mean, your set is from 2019, right? So it makes sense that these are more well-known and more on the internet. It's older than, ni- it's older than 2019, isn't it? 
I mean, I remember when it came out, I was working at Barnes and Noble when the Godzilla Criterion Collection came uh, out. Um, oh, that may be right. I thought it was a little bit older than that. Oh, maybe I'm thinking it was just the, uh, the original release of Godzilla mm. and not the whole, not the whole set. Cause they released the, the first one by itself a while before the set. That makes sense. It was either 2018 or 2019, um, for sure. Yeah. Um, so that's that's crazy. We should consider using the H bomb against Godzilla. Uh, what the fuck? That's all. What the <laughs> fuck? Just fuck off. Like we. Uh, um, <laughs> this is a theme we will also see in some later Pacific movies. Rim? No, in later Godzillas, there is a Godzilla movie where a nuke is used to help Godzilla, and it is very strange. You'll you'll get to it one day, Charlie. You'll see. Okay, so basically all of that was to try to say that, like, as far as the message or politics, the nuclear and military stuff in this film is fucking atrocious. And it's it's a, a blight on the... I think it's the worst of most of the Godzilla movies when it comes to representation of, like, being military positive or even maybe nuclear positive. I think there's only two movies in all of Godzilla where the... Spe- uh, the STF, the Security Defense Forces. Why can't I not remember? And Self Defense Force. It's SDF for sure. Oh, Self Defense Forces. Duh. Are successful in stopping Godzilla, and that's just this movie and Return of Godzilla. In every other movie, the military can't destroy Godzilla except for fucking Godzilla nineteen ninety eight. But yeah, uh, do you have the anything goat else <laughs> about the? Uh, military and nuclear stuff in this movie and sorry i fucking said a lot about it no i mean you're really going hard in this movie for kind of like disregarding um the the whole message and plot of the first one but i think i brought up in the last episode that really the trajectory for the kaiju genre in general is kind of insulting to the the message of uh, Godzilla 1954. Sure. Where it's just kind of like these, all these monsters have nothing to do with radiation or with uh, H-bomb testing coming and causing destruction and nothing about this whole uh, social message that, that the first movie kind of drove home so, so hard. I think this movie suffers in that regards because it's, the immediately one after that and uh it kind of takes itself more seriously than a lot of those future movies do so therefore it's it's easier to kind of compare it one by one and say this is really kind of light-hearted and uh, uh insulting the way it handles these issues but i mean really that is the way that we're going to go from here and for the most part i I'm going to agree with you like 33%. I think that most of the Godzilla movies, not all, but most, do have some sort of positive societal or cultural message. And that's why it's easier for me to like overlook other things. Like you have anti-pollution movies with Hedorah. You have um, capitalist greed being talked about in uh, Godzilla versus Mothra. Um, the next movie after this is like a critique of the film industry and how it uh, commercializes stuff. You have uh, Mothra just generally being like uh, uh, trying to talk about how it's important to like defend 
whatever, I'm going to skip that one. Um, you have Invasion of the Astro Monster, which is like kind of a critique of colonialism. Like, I think that a lot of them dive into things as societal commentaries, and this one doesn't at all. And it's supporting right. the military, and those ones do show the military failing constantly, you know? And I, I agree with you partially that they're not as serious, but they're not I don't mean going this... against it. Sorry, I didn't mean to say that there's no societal issues brought up in future uh, ventures. Sure. Just that this is this is just like so directly compared to 1954. Yes. Than any of the other ones that you kind of grade it, you naturally and understandably are going to grade it on a harder scale than you would. Totally. The other movies in that regard. That's, that's the part I agree with you on. The part I guess I, I'm pushing back on is that if this had all this stuff, but it had a positive message of something else, then I don't mm. think it would be the timing of it that would make me grade it so hard on it. I think it's that the message, like, it basically feels messageless, as we're saying, right? It's just a movie, mm-hmm. and they don't have a message. Yeah. But if we search for a message, it actually seems to be a message opposing the original, where I don't think most of them that's true for. Okay. But I, I can but agree I, with that. I totally agree with what you're saying, too. I think we're both right, as always. Like, <laughs> duh. <laughs> also, Godzilla raids again. No, he doesn't. This is, God, this, is this Godzilla's <laughs> first raid, you fucking assholes. Yeah. Holy shit. You cracked the nut. Also, in the... I mean, I think in Japanese, it's more accurately translated to uh godzilla's counterattack means even less it's even less yeah unless just referring to godzilla as a species true or just this godzilla's counterattack against angiris but we actually don't know who struck first we don't even know why they were fighting they're just oh because they're ancient (laughs) they're ancient rivals i forgot yeah found each other we're like we're rivals which actually connects like the legendary movies hint more at this idea that there was like an old Godzilla species, an old Kong species, and they were rivals. And I think it's kind of one of the things I just try to like not pay attention to in them. But this at least makes that feel like a throwback. So that's interesting. I think I might have to send you a download of the version I watched just so I can hear your reactions to the translation differences. Same. We can trade. (laughs) Oh, wait, no, that would mean we have to watch Godzilla raids again, again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i'm good for a little touche while. i'm good for a little while. yeah it's actually it's not that i don't know we're talking shit because i don't know we're, we have a podcast we're gonna rip into it we're gonna like look deep into it it's not that bad when you just watch it like i don't i don't like honestly when i'm sitting and watching it i am not as annoyed and frustrated as when i'm watching son of godzilla and there's things i like about son of godzilla it's funny but this movie is like, like, I feel bad shitting so hard on it because the director did a fucking I, good job with what he had. I definitely like Son of Godzilla a lot more than this movie. Okay. I'll throw that out. Sweet. I quite enjoy Son of Godzilla. Nice. So. All right. There we go. Fuck you. <laughs> do, do you, uh, do you have any other meaning or message or political thing? Like the only other things I had were about like how everybody's so goddamn worried about bosses all the time and it makes me mad and the prisoners and the cop stuff but we went into that a bunch so is there anything else jumping out at you about this message wise there was a strong uh biden 2024 message which uh i kind of jived with and i I know you did too 
All right. I don't uh, know what to do in these situations because, like, the people I'm imagining listening would know that you're kidding. But there's also people who are like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that's resistance. You gotta fight the fucking military and elect a guy who's uh, deporting people at 10 times the rate of Trump, you know? Like, who's uh, just patching up the border wall. And, uh, uh, I don't know what to do. Don't make me date this podcast. Don't make me think about Joe Biden. God damn it. I hope you include all of this in your edit. We'll see what happens. The only other thing I wanted to say message-wise is that I do appreciate that in in this movie and in the one before, the three main characters are just, like, people who are trying to be good to each other. Like, I don't know. Yeah. There's a wholesomeness that actually makes me feel really good with the characters in both these movies. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that really bothers me about this movie. is like, there is that there where the three main characters you do get the sense that they're friends and they legitimately care for each other, but it's just so not well-written where you just don't have much emotional investment in these characters like you did in the first one. So it just doesn't really matter ultimately, but you really wish it would matter. You really wish you did care more for these characters and the relationship to each other. Because, yeah, there is that thing there where they do seem to legitimately care for each other and like hidemi and um kobayashi are like pretty close like it would only take a little bit more to make me really appreciate them i mean yeah i mean i do think also like there's just every line is so throwaway that like if i try to think about it like it's just gone like the first lines with Hidemi is like the 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 other uh, radio operator next to her is like oh you're so lucky i'll never find a man or something like that and and Hidemi's like, oh, you'll get one someday. And it's like, <laughs> like it, it it's like a flaw. I'm like, oh, they're showing that yeah. this character's flawed. She doesn't recognize her privilege. Her dad, she's pretty. Her dad is the boss. It must be really hard for this other person. But it's not like anytime I try to grab onto anything, it's nothing at all. It's just a line to get us yeah. through the scene. Because I didn't realize that the picture was Hidemi, I assumed that it was the other radio operator from the beginning. Okay. Um. I mean, everything I've heard says it's a demi, but what if I'm just wrong? What if... <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, it does not help that the the picture is, like, them dressed up in a school world. From, like, yeah, five, like presumably five or ten years before. So that's why it's, yeah. like, it could be totally a different person or this... I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, uh, we've gone through a lot, but uh, how do you want to rate this movie? Is Who's first? Oh, I'm... You're first. You're first. So we're doing it on um, a scale for Godzilla movies, S, A, B, C, D, F, F being the worst, S being the best. Where where would you put it and why? Initially, I will say it's a D plus because I'm thinking. So D tier. Overall, what? So it's on the D tier. This is a tiered system. Plus is great if you want, but it's on the D tier. Yes, D plus. We can all agree on that. Um, Because I'm... So one of the hard things about this here is grading it, all my thoughts on it, and grading it in relation to uh, uh, other Godzilla movies, right? Yeah. Like, it does my 
least favorite Godzilla movie is that going to be rated an F? Even though I personally, if I said, you know, my least favorite Godzilla movie, I don't feel it would be an F, right? Is it, how much is it in relation to other movies and how much is it in what I feel the movie is overall? That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Like if I was just to do the legendary pictures for movies, it'd be ridiculous to think that one would be all the way at S and one would be all the way at F because they're all pretty similar. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So then I, I am comparing to other movies in the Godzilla series and I generally feel like I'm not going to feel as entertained as other movies. You brought up as Son of Godzilla as as a movie to compare it to on uh, levels of badness and I would much, much, I quite like Son of Godzilla. I that was very entertaining. I thought it was a very visually lush to look at. I um I I like Son of Godzilla, and I feel like that's going to be the case with most Godzilla movies. In this Godzilla movie, I wasn't besides the monster stuff. I I didn't really like it overall. That being said, I say D plus, but those snow scenes, it's gonna bump it up. This movie's a C. Wait, really? Snow scenes. I thought it was a D. This is a C. Yeah, it was. Wait, and you then, like then, you, then you factor in the snow scenes. Wait. Then you factor in the snow scenes. What's going to be a, a D and an F? Are they just going to be empty forever? <laughs> okay. Maybe. Okay. So you're, you have this only one tier between this and the original Godzilla. Original Godzilla is an A. This is a C. Okay. This is a C minus. Are you happy? All right. You Are you happy? No. Okay. Can I read it now? I I also said I might reevaluate the original Godzilla at some future point. Totally. Totally. I mean, reevaluate them all. It's fine. We also have to remember uh, Godzilla '98 is going to factor in at some point. Totally. All right. Rating this movie. Seems pretty easy to me. Like I was, I was somewhere between a D and an F, and I'm just gonna go F because I've seen almost all. There's still a few I haven't seen, but I've seen most of the Godzilla movies, and there's not a single one that I like worse than this. There's ones that are around the same for me. So damn, Angris hater. So I like Angris, kind of. It doesn't he's sound fine. like it. I like Angris for he's nostalgia fine. reasons because he's been around a long time, but he's and he's he's a funny little boy, but um. Yeah, the more Kaiju fans, let's send your hate mail over this way. So, uh, yeah, I gave the original Godzilla an S. I'm giving this one all the way down to an F. That just shows that I'm bolder than Charlie, who's sticking it all more in the middle, and that's fine. That's okay. You don't have to be. Bold. Hey, I like I love me some snow scenes. It's true. Um, so yeah, I I feel like I have uh given all my reasons already. I don't need to bore you all with them again. So yeah. That's that's why I'm giving it an F, but I don't hate it, and I think that that shows to me that, like, honestly, this whole series is, I just really like giant monster movies, especially Godzilla movies, because even the one that's so far to me is the worst one, I didn't, there's movies I've watched that are, like, a pain to get through, and there's actually not a scene in this movie that's a drag, it physically like oh man i have to keep watching like the movie goes by pretty quick it's it's not terrible i'm just giving it enough because it's the lowest of the ones i've seen so far and yeah maybe we'll reevaluate later or something okay i want to point out you're attacking me viciously horribly meanly i have not seen as many godzilla movies as you 
So I have to hedge my bets. Secondly, you're completely ignoring the snow scenes. First of all, I am not ignoring the snow snow scenes. Second of all, you say Biden 2024 on the podcast, you get attacked viciously. I said that because you texted me and told me to say that. Okay, okay. We're going to, Charlie, you've drinking too much. We're going to get through the ending now. (laughs) I have not drinking enough. I agree. Um, Do you have anything else you want to say before I uh, just close it off with our normal shit? I have a new thing to to say at the end, which is going to be, woo, you're going to be ready for it. You ready? Mm, Just Hanzo mains, watch out. Sweet. So, um, yeah, that's it. Uh, Next week, we're going to be talking about Q, the winged serpent. Taking a little... Oh, no. I was talking about... When I said Q, I meant uh, the documentary on Q, the, the truth bringer. You literally just spoiled my whole cold opening, Charlie. I've been writing it for so long. (laughs) So well written. I was going to take you on a whole journey where I asked if you thought it was a cult classic and be like, because it feels cultish. I've been reading about adrenochrome and I had a whole. uh, We can edit this all out, baby. It's okay. Yeah, but now you'll know. Shit. I won't remember. Okay, sick. All right. All right, folks. Well, um, hope you join us next week when we're going to be talking about Q, the winged serpent, taking a break from our Godzilla and, uh, uh, series to take a look at that 1982 movie. So hope you'll join us. Um, you can find us uh, on Twitter at NoGodsPod. Uh, you can email us at NoGodsPod at gmail.com. You can now find us on Podbean at NoGodsNoMonsters.Podbean.com. And if you want to help us out, you can rate and review us on iTunes and other um, sites. It actually really helps us get seen by other anti-capitalist kaiju nerds. So, you know, all 12 of them. There's tons of us. Help them find There's tons us. of us, baby. There's dozens of us. Um Okay, and that's all I got. Um, Charlie, do you want to do a Godzilla roar and I'll do an Angerous roar at the same time to close this out? Okay. All right, you ready? Three, two, one. Not trying to do a Godzilla roar at all. I don't know what Angerous sounds like, so I just made a weird sound. (laughs) Kind of like a saxophone. Okay, I'm going to end recording.